Partner in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sport Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be joined by Joe Scanlon from the Vivo Boys podcast and also uh, covering uh, Nebraska athletics uh, up in uh, the uh, great uh, area of central Nebraska for the NBC station up there. We'll talk with uh, Joe on uh, UT, all things Big 12, and also get his insights, a little Husker talk as well when uh, he stops by and joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, and uh, we'll have our picks against the spread. We'll also have our Big 12 breakdown, top four story of the week, all that and more coming up in just a little while from right now. Tom joins me right now, and uh, Tom? We had an interesting discussion a couple days ago. Like, you and I were both going to the two different games this week. And we were debating of what is the bigger game. Is it KU Texas, where I'll be? Or is it Bedlam, where you'll be, with OU and OSU? And I got to tell you, like, I couldn't care less about Bedlam this year. To me, this is like the most meaningless, boring Bedlam in a long time. Meanwhile, Texas still alive for the Big 12 title. Oklahoma or uh, Kansas, rather, uh, you know, trying to help their their bowl chances, trying to move up bowls here. I, I think I'm going to the bigger game, but uh, you, you seem to be convinced that Bedlam is still somewhat interesting. Well, think about this. So, if OSU beats OU and keeps them out of bowl contention, um, at least for another week, they OSU or OU will face Tech which has upset aspirations, which Tech, I think, is a decent team, and they love to play spoiler. If OU was to miss a bowl game, it would be the first time since – the last time OU – to put this in perspective, the last time that OU missed a bowl game, the words that you could speak were probably please, dada, and mama, or mom. That's the last time OU missed the bowl. I mean, you're not so, wrong, but I, I don't think that's, like, the big arching story here. Like, I'm not going to take extra time out of my day to go out of my way to watch that game to see that. Well, I mean, you're a KU guy, understandable, and, and KU and Texas have a history of KU winning, but there's nothing on the line for these two teams, really. Sure, a lot of things could happen where Texas could make the, the Big 12 championship game. There's a lot of things that could happen that KU could make the Big 12 championship game. A lot of those are not even contingent on Bedlam or the game that you're talking about. It's contingent on K-State losing both games, which I don't think they will do. They'll win at least one of those, I believe. Now, I hope they lose both of them for OSU's sake, but um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's. I think when I say it's a bigger game, it's one of the last bedlams, and that's why I think it's a bigger game. And a lot of the OU I mean, people say it's not a rivalry or whatever. 2025, though. I mean, we're still going to see a few more of these. I mean, sure, but it's still one of the last ones. And it's like one of KU, the last Texas, KU, Texas games, too. I mean, KU. Uh, I mean, that, that, that doesn't so have. That's my favorite meme. That, that doesn't have the same feel as bedlam, and you know it. KU beating Texas is college football's best meme. It, yeah, and it might be, but at the same time, <laughs> it's like 
It might be, but at the same time, Bedlam is is Bedlam draws way more than KU Texas. Like it's in the same state. You grew up in it. Your I don't think anybody cares fans. about Bedlam right now that doesn't live in Oklahoma. Well, surely not. But how many more people care about? I, I feel like more people care about Bedlam this week than the the Big Twelve in general cares about Texas KU. Uh, this week, no, I, I think more people are, are interested in that Kansas-Texas game than Bedlam. This, this there, there will be more people to watch Bedlam, even if it wasn't primetime, than they would to watch KU-Texas. See, that's not a fair comparison. One's on ABC, the other's on FS1. I'm saying even if they swap spots, that the, it would be more – I would – even as an outsider, non-biased, it'd be more interesting to watch an in-state rivalry than KU Texas. So, by that same accord, you'd rather watch Mississippi State and Ole Miss than KU Texas. Uh, yeah. Or, uh, let's say, uh, South Carolina and Clemson than KU Texas. Uh, you know, see, that's a little pushing it, but. It's it's let's do I would rather watch Florida versus Florida State than than Texas KU. Mm. Yeah. I would rather watch Georgia versus Auburn. Oh OU OSU is not Georgia Auburn this year. And that's and that's, I mean Auburn's two teams shit. in different states too. Auburn is trash. Georgia's great. Okay, so you know, at least these o these Oklahoma teams are not too far apart, and it'll make for a great game. They suck. They're ass. They are both ass. And listen now, hey, listen, KU fucker. If if Spencer Sanders played in the and was healthy for KU Oklahoma State, you seen what they did against Iowa State. Iowa State was one shit kicker away from beating your KU team at home. If Spencer Sanders plays in that KU game, OSU wins. Jason Bean played. You know it. You they know it. Have, they didn't OSU have, uh, with Spencer Caleb Sanders Daniels. was fucked. It was team. backup versus backup. It was straight up. I, okay. Bean is a lot fucking better than a fucking goddamn freshman. Don't start me off. Is he? I mean. Uh, okay. Would you rather have Jason Bean or would you rather have Gunner fucking Gundy or Garrett Rangel? I mean, I would, but that's credit to Kansas for having the better backup for doing their duty. Yeah, because he's old as fuck. Because he's not going to go to the league. Because no fucking backup for Kansas would, or even a starter for Kansas has no business in the league. I mean, why can Oklahoma State get better backup? Same for Oklahoma. I mean, listen, Ellingworth, Ellingworth would even maybe beat KU. No, I mean, I mean. A three-year backup. I mean, don't get me wrong. If Daniels. Sanders would have been, if Sanders would have played against Jalen Daniels, and both teams would have been healthy, who wins the game? I think Kansas Mr. Non-bias. I think I think Kansas was a, played great that day, and it was they did. just the quarterback position. There was a whole but lot. If okay, if Spencer Sanders would have been full healthy, and you had a bet, you'd have had to bet a hundred dollars straight up. Who would you have put it on? Uh, and Jalen Daniels is healthy. Straight up, if both were healthy, I would have taken Kansas. 
You're full of fucking shit. But it doesn't matter. Because Kansas are yeah, yeah. You're you're a homer. It's okay. It's fine. I get no, it. No, no, they took care of be, They took care yeah, of they, the yeah, better team. One did. Day. I'm I'm glad they did because they're not going to win one for another fucking twenty years. See, the, the, the salty Tom over here. Tom is a yeah. Terrible, I'm just Tom's. I'm, a I'm just letting you know. I'm letting you know. And, it, and, and the majority of people that listen to this show are probably from Oklahoma, and they know as well. If Spencer Sanders plays that game, you guys, it, KU does not win. Spencer Sanders isn't that great. I, hey, no, he is. Four you guys almost lost to fucking Iowa Four State. Four interceptions to Baylor. You guys got lucky to beat Iowa State at home when you had a healthy Jalen Daniels. The defense and was awesome. It, hey, and it literally – Took y'all Iowa State's kicker sucking a dick. And if he wouldn't have sucked that big of a dick, y'all would have lost. And we had a backup quarterback for the main remainder of the whole. It doesn't whole matter game. how you win. It's whether you got the job done or not. They got the job done. Hey, look, hey I'm, I'm telling you, Spencer Sanders, if, hey, if Spencer Sanders plays that game, you guys get win, 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 win. Spencer Sanders this. Hey, hey go. Hey, it all right, I'm pro-Texas. It didn't I'm pro happen. Dog shit out of KU. It didn't Give me happen. Texas by 20. Texas <laughs> by 20 this weekend. <laughs> oh, you I hope, I hope Steve Sarkeesian fucking. No, you don't. Literally. No, you don't. I, I literally no, hope no, Steve no. Sark beats Texas so bad that Lance cheats on his wife. I hope okay. there's another scandal. I, I, hope, I hope there's the same scandal in Lawrence. Give me Lance Leopold. Sleeping with an 18-year-old. Okay. Let's, you gone way too far. Too far, Tom. Let's uh, get it going. That, Bill Self's already a cheater. Lance Leipold can cheat on his wife with an 18-year-old. Irvin Meyer vibes, Les Mile vibes, and Lawrence this weekend. <laughs> hook him. <laughs> oh, you fucking you, hook him. <laughs> you are ridiculous. You are just <laughs> Is it entertaining? Are you not entertained? <laughs> Oh gosh, Spencer Sanders, four interceptions against Baylor. Hey, That's all I gotta say. Hey, listen, did y'all beat Baylor? Uh, no, but we didn't have uh, Jalen Daniels either, and our quarterback didn't throw four interceptions against Baylor. So, hey, well, you guys never make the Big Twelve championship anyway, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, uh, we'll give it another year. Uh, Ku, Ku would love to have Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. I would take Jalen Daniels over Spencer Sanders every day. Well, I bet you would. That's KU DNA. You and you would too. You would too. I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. We uh, have a tough motherfucker. You guys got just a broken collarbone, son of a bitch. Not his fault he broke his collarbone. Good grief. Well, he should have been he should have been tougher. <laughs> now now you're being absurd. You're you're just absurd. You're making no sense. I, mean, I, I I would wish if I could get anybody in a bowl game, it'd be Spencer Sanders versus KU, <laughs> and and to just decimate you guys this whole program. You can't even decimate KU at this point; they've well, already been decimated. Spencer Sanders has got like another COVID year. He'll probably be back next year too. So. He, he, I can't wait, Bart Scott. <laughs> uh, what happened to Gundy being this quarterback guru? What happened to all that those NFL quarterbacks? Listen, we're talking about two true freshmen. Yeah, why wasn't there two better true freshmen? And 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 
more injuries than the fucking nursing home. I mean, like, what, was was Mason the last elite quarterback Gundy had? No, no, no. Spencer Sanders is going to beat OU this weekend, and Spencer Sanders is going to be the first OSU quarterback to have two wins in his career against OU since fucking who is it? Uh, Woods. I mean, okay, congrats. You 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 might beat OU. I mean, like, okay. Uh, tell me about. I'm, I'm saying he's, he's pretty elite. If if he comes back Whoa, and three peaks OU, that's a statue. It's not elite. Stop. Uh, listen, Stop. Jones. Do you realize that if he wins this weekend? He will tie Gundy, Mike Gundy, all-time wins as a quarterback. And then if he beats West Virginia, he will be the all-time quarterback wins leader in Oklahoma State history. So he's going to be the Landry Jones of OSU. I mean, I think OU would take fucking Landry Jones in a heartbeat this season. Uh, I mean, maybe, but I mean, Landry isn't somebody that OU is proud of. Okay, who's the last quarterback? Besides Todd Racing, that KU's proud of, uh, Carter Stanley. Listen, Carter's been on the show. Carter's a good guy. Yeah, don't don't like, don't don't be throwing slander at Carter Stanley. I'm just saying Carter Stanley is about as good as as uh, uh, Taylor Cordelius or or uh, even our friend um, Clint Shelf. And now, why are you gonna bring Clint into this? You don't have to throw Clint. Clint. Clint, Clint we love Clint. Clint. Dot. Hey, listen, I want Clint and Carter on the show. Clint would dog dick Carter in a quarterback competition. <laughs> there you have it, I folks. am not getting involved between those two. We're we're fans of both those guys. We like both. No, I love them. I love them both. I love them both. But I might Clint be Jones, meeting up. I, I might actually be meeting up with Carter this weekend at Lawrence. I might need you to like maybe we'll FaceTime and uh and you can say that that crap to his face. Yeah, I will. I mean, he might agree. It's no hate against Carter. I'm just Clint Shelf was just okay. Does Carter have run away from the cop speed? Um, he was pretty fast, actually. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't call you. Gus Johnson didn't say it. <laughs> I felt bad that Carter got stuck playing with like awful coaches. I mean, to be fair, your whole. Uh, for a lot of KU like, players, got stuck playing with bad. Coaches. I mean, you're not wrong, but I. Well, I mean, imagine, imagine baby. Puka Williams on another team. Hey, Puka just got drafted in the XFL today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, listen, I'm 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 working on buying Tulsa indoor football tickets uh, for this upcoming season. So maybe if the XFL, or, you know, maybe he'll maybe he'll end up on the. Uh, I'm trying. I can't even the Tulsa. I guess they're they're keeping the name. It's going to be the Tulsa Oilers. Black and gold will be their colors. Why is there going to be two Oiler teams? Yeah, see, that's I. I thought they should go for something else. I thought it was too confusing, or they <laughs> they could have been more creative. But I will have two tickets uh, midfield. So if you are in uh, Tulsa in this spring slash summer. Um, we will be going to the BOK, uh, and they'll have it'll have private bar access and private lounge access. And we'll be on the third the, row. I'm just going for the drinks. I mean, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> they they do have some TU linemen. I guess they've signed. Okay, I which, am, I am excited for the XFL though. 
is now wait, Bobby Stoops isn't coaching again, is he? He's back. And the Renegades uh have dropped the oh. name Dallas. Now they're the Arlington Renegades to make the wow. people of Arlington, Texas that have small man syndrome feel happy. And they are playing at Jerry World? No, they're playing at Choctaw Stadium, formerly the ballpark at Arlington. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. There you go. Uh, there you go. So you have to get season tickets now. Well, you see, that's right during the middle of the summer of Jones. So I can't. You get, you get a, do you get a discount? Uh, I should. I mean, I own the place, basically. Uh, there you go. Exactly. I can't, I can't commit to season tickets because that's right in the middle of the summer of Jones. But I'm going to try to. They be- should, they should, they should pay you to go. Yeah, I should get paid to go. Yeah. They, they, and you should have got paid for your four years to attend any of those KU games. <laughs> they, that should that should at least be half off tuition. Hey, uh, if, if you if you have perfect attendance to comb KU football games, that's got to be at least a thousand off a year. Oh, uh, Lance Leipold, by the way, has bought uh, all the student tickets uh, for this Saturday's game, inviting all the students to come out. Lance and his wife took care of it. So, what did he spend? Like twenty five hundred dollars. Listen, listen. The deal moved I, for I, you. I You've gone from being rooting, rooting on this Kansas team of the the the. I'm kidding. You think I'm going to root for fucking Texas? Jokes aside, I'll root for KU. I just had to give you shit. OSU was still dad dick. Case KU. We had to give. I would. I've already told you. I would rather give KU win this year than have KU somehow play surprise. Ha ha. Uh, like Iowa State did. It's it's still fuck Iowa State for the rest of my whole entire life. Um, I would rather KU play spoiler to a Alamo Bowl season than I would them. Yeah, like what are the chances Iowa State sneaks away and? Knocks off TC. If I was TCU, I'd be terrified. Yeah. Well, I would be. I would be terrified. Iowa State is going to be the reason the Big Twelve misses the playoff for four years. So Jalen's going to be back, and maybe we'll see you in the Big Twelve title game next year. So, oh man, good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, I'll be here. What a fun opening segment. A lot of trash talk. I'll be. I'll be at the Big 12 title game. I can't speak for you, though, so we'll see. Hey, listen, I, if LSU makes it, I'm going to go there. Listen, I will be rooting for KU very hard next week if West Virginia pulls off their Mountaineer voodoo. <laughs> I'll be the biggest KU fan next week that you've ever seen in your whole life. <laughs> I might even get a Jayhawk tat in on my ass if they pull it off and put OSU in the Big 12 championship. A little tramp stamp for you? Okay. No, I wouldn't get the tramp stamp. I just, I'd, I'd, I'd probably get the, uh, the War Jayhawk. Okay. If I had to pick, or I'd get the, I'd get the one that looks like he's drinking an old fashioned. Oh, okay. What's that one called? The, the very old one. I don't know the specific name, but you, you know what I'm talking about. The throwback, throwback. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. He looks like he could wear a pinstripe suit. And a fedora, and a cane, and be pimp walking. That's the KU mascot. Yeah, that I'd get tatted on my. That I would get tatted. Uh, 
as fun as this opening segment is, I think we have to transition to the no fun league now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been no fun for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We open out with Thursday night football, the Titans taking on the Packers. Packers got a big-time win uh, against the Cowboys on Sunday. Came right down to the wire in overtime. They're four and six. Um, I still think it's too late for the Packers, though. That that if that win was like three weeks ago, Tom, I think we sit here and we say, okay, turnaround time. That's a big time win. Now, there's still not a the, the time is not on the Packers side. They pretty much have to win out. I mean, yeah. Are they? Is, is that win? Come from behind win at Lambeau going to spur them to the playoffs? No. No. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, is he – do I call him washed? Is is Devontae Adams – was Devontae Adams that good? I think he's pretty good. Um, Christian Watson, great game, you know. Um, but Rodgers does need that number one receiver that he does not have, and it just was a very glaring hole. Which, yeah. if you want to look at that game, Jones, speaking of Jones, your uh, brother from another mother, Aaron Jones, had a had a had his best game of the whole season. Why haven't they been running Aaron Jones all season? Yeah. Mind-blowing. I, I think I was looking at the usage a couple of weeks ago. Um, thank God I didn't take Aaron Jones in fantasy. Uh, for those that you that, – that did i i'm sorry um you know my fantasy team's not doing so hot this year so um but for those of you that took aaron jones i think you were thinking okay well he should get a lot more play his usage this season is lower than it was last season and they you know aaron Rodgers has just bitched all season about well my receivers aren't making plays they can't catch the football da 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 why are they not running the ball you got two great running backs. And then when you decide to run the football against a great defense in Dallas, you have success. So maybe maybe we see Packers turn into an old-school, hard-nosed running football team because it's obvious that Aaron Rodgers has taken too many shrooms or something um, and is just not the Aaron Rodgers we know. Yeah. It's a good point. Um the Titans take on the Packers. Titans uh, on the Titans end of things. Um, they do have Tannehill back. Have to imagine they're going to you know try to feed Derrick Henry here. Um, who would you rather have right now at that quarterback spot? Is it Tannehill or is it still Aaron Rodgers? I still take Rodgers. Uh, Tannehill uh, has concerns of his own right now too. What a question. I mean, just think about the question that you just asked. Would I rather have Ryan Tannehill or would I rather have Aaron Rodgers? It's sad that we have to ask that question. Yeah. You know, if you want to look at the receivers, Tannehill's Robert Woods. He has um, – Tannehill's got the uh, worst receiving core in the league. Well, he has Traylon Burks, who, uh, you know, I think has promise. Still a rookie. He has that Westbrook. Uh, don't ask me to pronounce the other last part of his name. Um, oh, yeah. so, 
You're right. He had a great game last week. No credit to Tannehill by any means, but uh, he had like 150 yards, 160 yards last week. Um, put up great stat line. Um, who would I rather have? Uh, Dobbs is out for Aaron Rodgers. Watson just had a great game. Um, is it, It's in Nashville? It's in Green Bay. Yeah, give me Aaron Rodgers then. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it, but it, but it's, it, it is that close. Looking elsewhere, uh, Bills and Browns. This game, Tom, there's going to be six feet of snow in the forecast in Buffalo on Sunday. So much so that the NFL is even considering delaying or moving this game. Um, it's going to be ugly. Neither team's going to be able to pass the football that well. Um, I expect the Bills to win at home, but the main story of this, you know, snowpocalypse here, Tom, I don't care if it's six feet of snow or 10 feet of snow, whatever it may be. If, if the Browns and their staff can make it to Buffalo, if they can travel there, play this damn game in the six feet of snow, whatever it takes. I want to see this game in the snow. I mean, look at the running backs. I mean, sure, Buffalo has quite a few good players. They don't have they don't have a Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, though. If it comes down to hard nosed running, Buffalo has a great defense. They're coming off a tough loss. This is a and and if you want to look at that division for the Bills, it's a little bit closer than what it should be, right? Right. Um with the Dolphins right there on the hills, if not in the lead, I think, um, at this point. Uh, is this a must-win for the Buffalo Bills? Uh, I wouldn't say so, but... They should be, be be able to beat the Browns. I mean, if you want to look at the game last week against the Vikings, is that is is that the best game of the year so far? Uh, it's up there for sure, yeah. I mean, the Bills, the Bills are beatable. And in six feet of snow, I, I want to see it just for the uh, kind of the same reasons you want to. Just I want to see it played because it could be played. Yes. Um, the Eagles taking on the Colts. Uh, two things here. Let's start with the Eagles. Finally lose at the hands of the Commanders. Um, I understand that officiating was poor. I get that. But. A loss is a loss. The Commanders are actually a decent football team, Tom. Um, I know it was in the division and at home, but I don't think that's a bad loss for Philly. Uh, my thoughts have not changed on the Philadelphia Eagles. I still think they're the best team in the NFL right now. They were bound to lose anyway. Um, it happens. I, I, I don't take – my mind has not wavered. My doubt has not changed at all on a, where I stand with Philadelphia Eagles. I'm still all in on this team. Did did that loss change anything for you? No, I mean, were they really going to win every game? <laughs> right? Right. I mean, and if it had to be like, okay, it's divisional. Okay. You know, I'm I'm okay with this. If you're if you're an Eagles fan, you know, I'm I'm sure knowing Philly, they were throwing batteries after the first quarter. Um but right, they they were they were pouring out all the the Taylor Heineken. Yeah, oh, there you go. The Chad, 
what we really need, we need a Chad Haney matchup versus Taylor Heineken. Yes. That's 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 the ultimate booze game uh, that we we so badly deserve. Um, but no, it doesn't change anything. You know, I, I tell you what does change a little bit and somewhat completely different storyline. How about the Saturday Sunday Colts getting the job done? Man, and you know, last week I was sitting here. And I'll be honest, you know, I, I, I was hesitant about this Jeff Saturday move. I'm like, what in the hell are they doing here? But, you know, you, you had these people like Bill Cowher who got on their high horse and tried saying it was a disrespect to the coaching profession. And, you know, Bill Cowher, I mean, you know, go F yourself, Bill Cowher. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean – disrespect to the coaching profession i mean bill cowher you got handed a tv job without any prior tv experience and we didn't sit here and say that was a disrespect to the journalism profession no jeff saturday news credit did a great job and out coached josh mcdaniels and josh mcdaniels is such a fraud and you know for him to show up to tweet a couple weeks ago the raiders are more horrible and then go out there and beat the Raiders. I mean, that's that's some, some king shit right there. You know what I mean? It's, it's the worst part, the Raiders can't even fire him because they don't have the cash. Yeah. I they they came out and said he'll be the coach next season and then even maybe the next season. I, uh, I love it for Jeff Saturday. And I'm going to tell you right now, Tom, I, I, I'm calling it. Jeff Saturday is going to keep on – winning and get that interim tag removed. I hope he does. And and the Colts will make the playoffs before the Raiders do. The fact too that he said we're playing Matt Ryan, that he got Matt that he put Matt Ryan in there, Matt Ryan won for him. Um that's that says a lot about, you know, taking command. You know, he won over that locker room pretty fast. I mean, listen, he's coaching with house money, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It, it wasn't going to matter if he lost every game. He had no expectations. And I, like I said last week, Jones, I told you, that's Ted Lasso, baby. Yeah. That's Ted Lasso in the flesh. Um, the only difference is that he's played football and he knows a little bit about the trenches. Um, but Saturday's kind of one of those guys that I, I think – I would love to have been a fly on the wall when he came in the in the locker room and said, "Hey guys, I know this news might not be what you guys maybe have thought that it was going to be, or I, I, you know, I don't, I don't care if you don't respect me or don't like me or don't think I have the experience." Uh, but like you said, I think he won over the locker room. I, I, I like I said, love to have been a fly on the wall because I guarantee he said some, "Hey." Listen, let's just – we don't have any expectation. Let's just go out and fight, you know. Well, let let the remaining games of this whole season be reflective of who you are as a person. I think that's exactly what he said. And and, and I – you know, I was a Dan Campbell, big Dan Campbell fan. Yeah. Combine Dan Campbell and Jeff Saturday into one and make him the head coach of the Colts, sign me up. <laughs> you know. Like, give me a motivational speech. 
I might even go work out tomorrow morning if Jeff Saturday called my phone. Uh, Jets and Patriots. Jets are at six and three. Patriots are five and four. Patriots have started to play better as of late. Jets hanging in there at six and three. Um, Dom, this uh, this game is a lot more interesting than I would have expected it to be at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah, did not expect the Jets um, to be this good. Well, or even the Patriots really, after the way they started the year to turn things around. Right. Now, is Mac Jones going to start? I believe so. We'll see. You know, um, I, you rather I ha- here's another would you rather. Would you rather have Mac Jones or Zach Wilson right now? The, man, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Mormon. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with I'm, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna ride with the I'm gonna ride with LDS on this one. Um, as bad as that sounds, um, because Mac Jones I think still has a lot of potential. I I, I did see that Bill Belichick was kind of kind of low key throwing some shade. Um, and he said in a presser that. Kind of, he, he basically said the Jets are going to do Jets things, and they're doing Jets things right now. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, hey, Bill, listen, the Jets are, the Jets are giving their fans hope right now. Um, and you know what? I I think they've been able to uh, kind of put something together. Um, maybe shades of Chad Pennington, of uh, kind of those seasons, but still to be determined. But you know what? I don't hate the Jets right now if if you're a Jets fan do you feel a lot better than if you're a Browns fan right now yeah you know I I I think all eyes are going to be on Deshaun Watson in a couple weeks I mean but if you're a Jets fan you have to feel you have to feel not terrible yeah um uh, a couple of games let's uh let's scroll through here um Giants should be able to beat the crap out of the Lions. Ravens should be able to beat the crap out of the Panthers. Baker Mayfield's back this week. Um, Commanders, they're on a roll. They should be able to take care of Houston. Raiders and Broncos, uh, if that game's in your market, you should go rake leaves. Um, (laughs) Vikings-Cowboys is going to be a really good game. And we're going to pick that game coming up later in the show. But I look at this matchup, Tom, Vikings-Cowboys. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Dak for obvious reasons. For me, it's Kirk Cousins here. What Kirk Cousins is going to show up against that Dallas defense? That Dallas defense might be the best defense in the league. If Kirk Cousins plays well, I think Minnesota wins. If he plays average or if he struggles, I think they lose. To me, this game comes down to Cousins. Uh, yeah, I think it does too, and and I think it comes down to the just the integrity of the human being on each on on as a player on each of those teams. You got Dallas coming off of a game they should not have lost. You're coming off, you're riding the high uh, if you're a Vikings player of of beating the Bills and, and what could have been the best game of the year. Um, Vikings have Cowboys at home. You know, this is this is another could be insta classic. Could be, uh, very much so. The the Vikings at 
at eight and one, Tom? I like them. You like them, or are they fraudulent? Hey, I don't almost want to say I love them. Really? I'm I'm low key. Uh, the Rams aren't going to do anything this season, as we know. <laughs> I'm kind of rooting on Minnesota. Ooh, I yeah. you know, I kind I kind of like the Purple People Eaters. Okay. What is it about Minnesota you like? A small market. Okay. And uh, I don't know. Is small is this the year of the team in the Midwest that plays in a dome? Is is this the year of the purple? You got TCU probably winning the Big Twelve. You got K State also doing very well. Um, I, I guess you could go on the other end and say Northwest is Northwestern still trash. But uh, you know, if you got who's another purple team? Washington. They just beat Oregon. There you go. Okay, so Washington's kind of mid, but yeah, they did just beat Oregon. Uh, year year of the purple. Okay, I don't know. You know, if if it if it comes down to Vikings, if it, if it's Vikings Eagles and the NFC Championship, uh, I will be pro Vikings. Now, if it comes down to Chiefs Vikings, um, I'll have to go with Johnny's team. I'll have to go with my dad's team. I'll have to root for the Chiefs, but. Uh, if it's anybody else, I will be pro Vikings for sure. Bengals, uh, in the Steelers, um, Kenny Pickett has not looked great. Um, he's had his moments here and there, but has not been put in the best position to succeed. Joe Burrow, the Bengals sitting at five and four. Um, Tom, this kind of reminds me of last year's team with the Bengals. Last year, they got off to a slow start. And then they just finished strong, went on a run there towards the end of the year. Right now, they're at five and four, the Bengals are. And you look at their schedule ahead, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Tampa, New England, Buffalo, and Baltimore. Um, with those games coming up with, ten- with Tennessee, Kansas City, the Bucs, Patriots, Bills, Ravens, you know, like – and that game against the Browns they're going to face, I feel like we're going to really know who the Bengals are here in a couple of weeks. Like, it's it's about to go from zero to 100 real quick. They're either going to fall, falter or they're going to accelerate. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. And is uh, Jamar Chase still out? He'll be back, I'd assume, by the end of the season. But I think maybe he's got a couple more games off. I think so. You know, I think I think if he comes back, I think Burrow over the past couple of weeks is, is it's kind of the Stafford effect. You know, Stafford uh, security blanket is Cooper Cup. I think for Joe Burrow, his security blanket um, has been Jamar Chase, and without him the past couple of weeks, he's he's found his other receivers. Hell, he's even found the tight end Hayden Hurst. Um, so I, I I think that it could have even you know. A blessing in disguise, maybe. But if Jamar Chase comes back healthy and and Joe Burrow's built up all this, uh, you know, chemistry with his other receivers, uh, then, you know, what? who's to say that, that the Bengals don't, uh, you know, get back at least to the AFC Championship game? Well, uh, they're durable. Bengals, something to think about, too, real quick before we move on. You know, they're – 
they're a game back of the Ravens, but they're really two games back because the Ravens beat them head to head. And so, you know, with that said, and the Ravens have literally the easiest schedule of anyone left in the league, and the Ravens are playing really good football right now. I think it, for the Bengals, this sound this might sound ridiculous to say, but I'll throw it out there anyway. The division pretty much seems out of question already for the Bengals. If I'm the Bengals, like, you know, try to get that wild card. I, I'm not worried about the division. Just make it in the postseason. You know, like like what we talk about with baseball teams. Just find I mean, a way to get in and then figure it out from there. I mean, they did it the same way last year, didn't they? Uh, they won the division last year. Well, I mean, I mean, as far as, like, not being a top seed. Right, they were the four seed, 10 and 7. I mean, they what? They played at what? They played at Tennessee. Yeah, they won at Tennessee and Kansas City back to back. Yeah, right. I mean, that's you know, who's to say they can't you know, right? Win a game again. So I mean, you know, not it, it. It's been worse for the Bengals and coming off of a Super Bowl run. You know, better line. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase did get hurt. Uh, the Bengals are, I think they're still right there. I think they're flying under the radar a little bit, but, uh, there's, there's still a threat. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple more, uh, that we'll run through here. Sunday night football, Chiefs and Chargers. Chiefs are seven and two. Chargers are five and four. The game is in LA. Um, and, the uh, Chiefs won the first time around a very close game in Kansas City on a Thursday night. Um, that was back like week two. But the Chiefs, the injury bug has kind of hit them hard. Juju, McCole Hardman, and Valdez Scanling are all questionable. Kadarius Tony did make his debut last week. So they do have Tony and they do have McCole Hardman and Travis Kelsey. So that certainly helps. Um, but to me, that's what I wonder. Like, Mahomes has got to have some guys to throw the ball to. Uh, if I'm Kansas City, I'm a little concerned about, uh, you know, who all they're going to have. Like, I, I lean towards Kansas City in this game, but this is one time where I'm kind of, I'm kind of waiting on that Friday injury report to see what it looks like. Because right now they are, they could be very shorthanded based on the way things look at that receiver spot. You know, I, I think they could be too. Sure, I don't know where you put Sky Moore in, um, being that injury prone at, at the wideout position. But here's here's what interests me, um, and here's what they I, I think the Chiefs kind of got away from. Um, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree, but uh, Clyde Lair Edwards has not been as as active as I think he could have been. Um, and then you could even say McKinnon. Um, could see some more play. Yeah, I think those those running backs out of the backfield could see and, a lot more receiving yards and a lot more play, and I think they will. McKinnon's questionable. George um, hasn't really seen. You know, he started the season off really strong, and then has kind of taken a back seat a little bit. So I, I look for Andy Reid to get him a lot more involved this week. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see that game play out uh, between the Chiefs and the Chargers. Monday Night Football, 49ers and uh, Cardinals. 
Tom, uh, what's interesting, you know, the Seahawks are on a bye week, and they will not know if they're in first or second place in the division till after this game. We will we will be either San Francisco or Seattle, depending on how this game goes. Um, twofold. I think this this feels like a loser leaves town type game. If San Francisco loses this game and falls two games back, hard to envision them, you know, catching up to Seattle at this point and still finding a way to win the division. Um, the Cardinals, their division chances are, are pretty much out the door now. But if they lose this game, their wild card chances are pretty much over with here too. And it could be Kingsbury's future on the line here too. I mean, we could be talking about this one game having such an impact. It could result in, Tom, the Niners taking a lead in the division, the Seahawks slipping to second, and Cliff the Cardinals effectively being eliminated and fire Cliff Kingsbury as well. All of that could go down on Monday night. Yeah, and, and from what I understand, though, um, I think Arizona is is poised to go ahead and start Colt McCoy again. Um, that's coming yeah. for me, man, having Kyler Murray um, at my fantasy football helm. Um, so, and I don't know if they fire Cliff Kingsbury if Kyler Murray can't play. You know, I don't know if that's the right time to do it or if – they might just let I mean at this point if you're the Cardinals and then lose what why fire Cliff now and instead at the end of the season get your coaching search started ahead of time I mean you could maybe they maybe maybe the Cardinals say you know what we hired a college coach why don't we just hire a, a guy that's got a couple games NFL coaching and maybe Jeff Saturday if he doesn't work out in Indianapolis <laughs> be the next coach of the Arizona Cardinals yeah, who knows? Anyways, that's your look around Saturday. It's another meeting. That's your look around the NFL this week, and uh, we'll get to our Big Twelve breakdown here in just a second. Joe Scanlon also set to stop by. Coach Bo is going to be here as well. All that and more as we continue here on the Jones Report. It is time for the Big Twelve breakdown. Tom Jones, Thomas Chris is here with you with a comprehensive look. Around the Big 12 Conference, we will break down every game in the league this week. Also cover the top storylines around the conference as well. But we begin as we do each and every week here on the Big 12 Breakdown with a look at our Big 12 hot takes for the week. And uh, Tom, I'll let you get things started on the hot take front. Um, what's, uh, What's your hot take here? I'm going to say, no surprise, here's my hot take of the week. We saw Spencer Sanders come in and save the day superhero style against Iowa State. A lot of question that if he could have come into the fourth quarter, why couldn't he have played all game? I think OSU did not want to play him. They asked him in the postgame, will you be starting in Bedlam? He said, absolutely. Um... Give me Spencer Sanders to have one of his career days um, against against OU. I think he plays the full 60 minutes. And in that game, I think OSU defense forces three turnovers. Um, 
not in a route, but I think it's 31-23 Oklahoma State. So here's my hot take for you. I told you uh, the last couple of weeks that I did, I thought TCU was going to win out, that they were going to go undefeated uh, in Big 12 play and be the first team since the Big 12 went to the round robin in the last year, the round robin too, of having a full undefeated season. What I also said was I wasn't sure about the Big 12 title game because K-State had played them close and Oklahoma State had played them close. And You know, I'll say this. After what TCU did on the road at Texas, out-physicaling that Texas team and taking them to the woodshed and, you know, as impressive as that win was, and, and to me – that was one of the most impressive wins we've seen of any team in college football this year. Miss Shutdown beat Robinson. Yeah. Uh, I'm all in. I'm going to take that one step further, Tom. I got TCU not only winning out, I I, I think that they go ahead and they – they I, it doesn't matter who they face in the Big 12 championship game. I think TCU is going to win the Big 12 title game, and we're going to see them as an undefeated Big 12 champ in the college football playoff. Um, I'm not saying this is over. You know, we've seen crazy stuff happen before, but they're in their own tier. They're on their own pedestal right now. It's TCU, and then it's everyone else. Sonny Dykes has done an incredible job. Um, if if this was like F1 or, you know, the old NASCAR Winston Cup point standings, TCU would – have the title clinched with three races to go up, you know, 300 some odd points or whatever. I mean, that's, that's what they've done is they've separated themselves. I was, at first I was, when you started on that TCU uh, love bomb, I I really did think you were going to say, doesn't matter who TCU plays in in regards to the first round of, of the playoffs, the semifinals. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, man, that's real hot. I uh, said, so you need to go to the hospital. I so you're running a fever. But, you know, I, I, I can't say that I don't agree. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I think we both kind of know that it's going to be purple versus purple in Arlington. And uh, to be honest, I can't wait to see that matchup. But I uh, can't say that I would uh, disagree with TCU winning out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there are – they are the team to beat, and um, it's just really impressive the job they've done. And we've mentioned many times before, Tom, the pure playoff privilege, you know, that our buddy Tim Brando has uh, dubbed and talked about. And when you look at the way this thing has stacked up, TCU has done everything that's been asked of them. Max Duggan's played at a high level, and Max Duggan's not getting any Heisman talk. They're sitting at the four seed when they probably should be at least the three seed. I don't think they're going to get any higher than three. Uh, I don't think they're going to pass up Georgia or Ohio State, the you know Ohio State, Michigan winner or whatever it may be. I think they're going to be the three seed in the playoff no matter what. Um, but you know what? They've, they've kind of taken this underdog approach. They've embraced it and more power to them. I mean, if if their name was Oklahoma or Texas. Max Duggan would be a Heisman candidate right now. Um, he'd be one of the favorites. They would probably be the one or the two seed. Um, 
it's unfortunate they're they're getting treated like they're a mid-major school or something when uh they're really just one of the best teams in the country and and that was what we saw Saturday night. That was their coming out party to the rest of the nation. Yeah, I believe it, especially, you know, you, you mentioned the rest of the nation who had, like, what, Texas is a seven-point favorite? The yeah. disrespect. The disrespect. Um, you know, so credit to Sonny Dykes, man. Crazy. Even even more credit to Max Duggan. I, you know, I'd love to go back and listen to – our first show of this football season. And it sucks that we're nearing the end, but you know, that's how time is. But um, I guess my, my, my cold take, my worst take of the year was when uh, I like Chandler Morris better than uh, Max Duggan. But I mean, so did Sonny Dykes when he initially gave Chandler Morris the job. So. uh, Right. And this TCU team is not only not undefeated, if they keep on, with Chandler Morris, uh, but they're definitely not even making Arlington trip if they have Chandler Morris. I don't. I I still think Chandler Morris is a good quarterback, but I, he, I don't know. If he's bad. He, he would not be doing what what uh, Max Duggan is doing right. That's now. what. It, it's more of a credit to Max Duggan than it is a knock on Chandler Morris. Is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. That's that's a very good point. Um. Another note. Interesting uh, thing uh, real quick uh, that uh, I wanted to bring up before we get to the uh, the picks this week. Tom, uh, you know, when it comes to the Big 12 and expansion and trying to grow this league and everything, I found a very interesting note. The Big 12 has put together an advisory board um, to kind of discuss the direction of the conference going forward. Here's some of the names on the advisory board for the for the Big Twelve that uh, Brett Warmark, uh, your mark has put together here. Garth Brooks is on it. Jason Kidd. Um, let's see who else is. How's Jason there? Kidd have a tie? Uh, mark Shapiro is on there as well. Um, very interesting uh, to see. Uh, these guys, uh, you know, put themselves, you know, partner with the Big 12 and be part of the uh, uh, community, the future of this league, the direction where it's going to go. The Garth Brooks and Jason Kidd, that, that wasn't a headline I was expecting to read this morning. I mean, Garth Brooks, maybe a tie to OSU, but what is Jason Kidd's tie? Dallas? I guess. That's very weird. I did. I don't know much about Mark Shapiro, but well, uh, I guess Brett Yormark and Jason Kidd, uh, you know, they knew each other when they both worked for the Nets. Oh, okay, true, fair. So more, maybe there might be more of a personal connection between. It, yeah, is, is Garth Brooks just uh, the minister of culture for this board? <laughs> right. <laughs> is he is he filling the Matthew McConaughey role? Is uh, are these his friends in low places? I mean, are we gonna get are we gonna get a new guard song called "All Right, All Right, All Right"? Right. Uh that's yeah, that's odd. That that's that might be the most interesting thing I've heard all week. Garth Brooks and Jason Kidd on an advisory role for the Big Twelve. 
Hey, listen, I, I do like Garth Brooks as the minister of culture for OSU. Uh, he, he did – interesting note, you want to talk about Garth Brooks. He did tweet out um, something about doing a uh, Christmas show or a show in Stillwater on the Strip um, around Christmas time. So nothing's been announced, but uh, uh, you, uh, big Oklahoma news. That would be something. Maybe the Big 12 title game, now that they're, you know, a part of the conference – we get Jason Kidd to do the coin toss and Garth Brooks do a halftime show. I'd be very disappointed because I wouldn't be like like Garth Brooks can't do a Big Twelve halftime show unless OSU is a part of it, right? Well, I don't think not anymore. Not since he works for the league now. All right, that's that's fair. I guess that would be that would almost be like a hype concert for the OSU fan base if he was there. And but to be fair, Garth Brooks is relevant everywhere. When I was in Boise, Idaho, for Boise State, uh, Oklahoma State fourth quarter, they played friends in low places. And and I I think I think every OSU fan in attendance to that game was like, I don't think you understand what you're doing right now. <laughs> the Jason Kidd one, like. Uh... Are we going to start seeing him like just rocking Big Twelve gear at uh at Mavs press conferences or something? You know? What would he be more of a TCU fan, or would you? I I see Jason Kidd more so He's, maybe rocking SMU hat than anything. Well, so with your mark pushing the future of the league, I think it's got to be a Big Twelve member that's going to be around for a while. Um, I see him. I think TCU. With the Dallas thing, that makes sense. Um, I don't see him being like a Baylor guy. Um, no. but, uh, you know, TCU, that that seems to be his vibe. Where where did you know? Here's 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 a game. Um, remember when I we we played the where did he go to school at? And we just named a random one, and I just randomly guessed Travis Kelsey, Cincinnati. So where did I've Jason? Already- I already cheated, I'll be honest, because I did look this oh. up. Do you want to guess though? Let me let me see if I can guess. Is it let me ask one question. Is it if you split down the middle, if you split it, if you took a drew a line straight up from OKC and straight down, would it be west or east? It would be west. Really? Jason Kidd played college ball. At oh wow, I'm gonna say a no name type school. Well, no, I'm gonna say he played at uh oh man, this is tough. I'm gonna say he played at Arizona. You're not far off, you got the right conference, okay. He he didn't play for a Utah school. No. Did he played in California? Yes. Did he play for Cal? Yes. He's from San wow. Francisco and he played for Cal. Wow, man. You know what's funny about Jason Kidd is like I've even seen Steph Curry 
Davidson highlights. I've never seen a Jason Kidd cow highlight ever. Well, in uh, his last year at Cal, um, he and Tony Gonzalez were teammates. Incredible. I, what year was that? Because I'm going to have to go back and 1994. watch. 1994. Okay, now I'm really feel old. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was not. The way things worked out for Jason Kidd and Tony G. If you would have okay. hey, you're both going to be Hall of Famers someday. But in a – One of you is going to play football. Right. Yeah, that's – That's – You know, that's a great trivia question. That's actually incredible. I, it's, that's got to be one of a kind, right? Oh, Yeah. Definitely. How, how does Cal have all these great players come out of it, but Cal is never any good? Yeah. You have Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. Those are just the ones that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and look at the Big 12 slate of games this week. We mentioned TCU taking on Baylor. TCU is only favored by two and a half. The disrespect continues again. The game's in Waco. Um. Baylor has been a roller coaster all season long. Vegas doesn't like them. Um, Tom, I, I, I think Vegas is wrong here. I think TCU delivers a statement win here. I think that this might be a blowout. What time is the game? 11 a.m. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking TCU. I would take TCU plus 11 and a half. Minus 11 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, One o'clock, K-State taking on West Virginia. West Virginia's played better as of late. Nice win against the Sooners last week. Um, And they find themselves at four and six. Still had a shot at bowl eligibility. Taking on this K-State team on the road in Morgantown. Tom, a K-State team that's trying to get to the Big 12 championship. This is a total trap game right here. Uh, I think K-State wins, but West Virginia, I think, is going to do what they can to keep it close. I mean, look look what West Virginia did last week, you know, benching JT Daniels. And they turned they turn and turn to uh, this green kid, Garrett Green, and he was awesome. You want to, yeah, you want to talk about some art, like some true grit? Garrett Green, I don't know if you got to see his touchdown run, um, but he was incredible, you know? And so, do I think K-State will win? Yes. Or is it a trap game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, is, is name another place that's not trap game besides Ames in the Big 12. Besides Morgantown, maybe you could say Lubbock has that trap ability to it, but nowhere else besides maybe Ames is more trap than Morgantown, West Virginia. You're talking about Neil Brown, who should have been fired long ago. You come off, you beat OU for the first time since you joined the Big 12. How much 
how much does that matter? You know, um, is Garrett Green going to start? Are they going to just ride with him and uh, take their transfer quarterback and say, nah, we're not playing with you no more? Um, Toy Story style. So, I don't know. Be interesting to see, uh, you know, case one way a win or one win away, excuse me, from locking up um, an all-purple Big 12 championship game. Can they do it? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how uh, how gritty this K-State team is yeah. with the uh, championship bid on the line. Texas taking on KU in Lawrence this week. Uh, Jalen Daniels' status is unknown. Um, Jason Bean has played good as of late, though. And uh, what, what I'm very curious is, you know, Kansas obviously has played great against Texas over the years, and it's been over a thousand days since Texas has last beat Kansas, um, which is just something something in its own right. Um, two things, obviously, is is Kansas going to come out guns a blazing like they do and put their best foot forward against Texas, and then two, Texas is six and four. How do they respond to that TCU game? Are they inspired to try to bounce back and try to finish strong, or are they just going to be deflated after uh, just getting punished like they were against TCU? And, Tom, I kind of lean towards that we're probably going to see a deflated Texas team on Saturday. I mean, essentially, uh, their Big 12 hopes are gone. You know, I, I would imagine that Robinson leaves after this year. I guess he probably has a COVID year to come back. I think he'd be stupid too. Um, oh, he's going yeah. to the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he should. He should. They are. Uh, they're on the road. This is not in Austin. Um, I. You know, you mentioned earlier, or you you'd mentioned before when we were talking that Lance Leopold has bought uh, several student tickets to essentially kind of make this game a sold out vibe. KU's done a good job of that so far. Everybody going to this game, if you're a Texas fan, if you're a KU fan, if you're a neutral fan just showing up, everyone knows the history of this. And uh, I, to be honest with you, I think this sets up. It's, it's just setting up for another KU upset. I don't know if you – this is the le- – if, if KU wins – this is the least amount of upset in the past couple. Yes, that's true. Which is, which is you know, Lance Leopold. You get, you got to at that point, I you got to hat off to him. Yes, just, just for even saying that. Yes, Lance Leopold. Um, couple oh, more here for you. Texas Tech in uh, Iowa State. Uh, Tech at five and five. Iowa State at four and six. Both teams still with a shot at uh, bowl eligibility here. And uh, you look at this Texas Tech team and uh, where they stand right now. You know they put up forty three points last week against against KU, and that offense was humming. I mean they were able to put up you know a lot of points and. Tyler Schaff, you know, was was really good for uh, for Tech last week. Iowa State, their offense has struggled all year. I know the game's in Ames, but 
I think Tech will probably run Iowa State out of the building here. Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to find a uh, one one of those offenses that can just score at will. I mean, well, granted, Tech has always kind of been known for that, but kind of it's kind of been a a gamble here with Tech this year. They've they've showed out um, in a lot of games, and they've kind of not shown up in some other ones. So, um, I like Tech. I like Tech to get bowl eligible here. Okay. Uh, one more here for you, Bedlam, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. The least interesting Bedlam game in a very long time. Oklahoma is seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. Uh, they are the home team. Spencer Sanders is supposed to be back. Um, Tom, you know, th- this game, despite it being, you know, for nothing here, you know, there's – you know, both teams have, have struggled. Um, I still think that this should could still be a very entertaining game that we have on our hands here. If uh, you know, if Oklahoma can play to their potential, and if Spencer Sanders is one hundred percent, this could still be a high scoring ball game that could go either way. I think it comes down to two things. If I think it really comes down to to one or two things, Spencer Sanders doesn't play or is injured. And uh, doesn't play, and they in Oklahoma State starts Gundy or the Garrett Garrett Rangel kid. OU is going to probably win if they start Spencer Sanders and he plays for the full sixty minutes, and he and he comes in and does what he did last week against Iowa State and played, you know, superhero. Then I I think this is an Oklahoma State win. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on this game, not straight up. OU is favored, I believe, by seven and a half. I think that's foolish. Uh, if OU wins, it's not going to be by more than seven points. Um, but you look at the history of this game, and um, at least in the last, I don't know, six, seven years, then you'd be hard-pressed to find a game like that. So, um, like you mentioned, Jones, doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, especially if K-State wins this weekend. And it means nothing in terms of the Big 12 championship contingency. But I think if you are an Oklahoman and, or, and, and have an interest in this game or a stake in terms of fandom, uh, then this game means a lot more than it really should in terms of it being on ABC primetime. Uh, last note before we uh, bring in Joe Scandlin here, a uh, report that came out with in the time, actually, of Thomas and I – beginning this show he didn't know i was going to bring this up but a a new update from brett mcmurphy of uh, the action network um with uh if you were watching on wednesday night gonzaga and texas were playing in austin and according to a new report from brett mcmurphy uh big 12 commissioner brett yormark and gonzaga ad chris standiford met earlier on wednesday in austin and there is growing mutual interest regarding Gonzaga joining the Big 12, sources told the Action Network. Um, we had heard about this a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the Big 12 was looking at potentially stealing away Gonzaga before the Pac-12 got to Gonzaga. Growing mutual interest. Um, 
you know, the money obviously is in football. Gonzaga wouldn't be touching the football money. Um, Big 12 basketball has been awesome, been the best league for the past five years plus now. Adding Gonzaga to the fold here, I don't see any negatives to it. Gonzaga gets a chance to join the elite conference, um, and you expand your footprint out west. If this is going to happen, Tom, I feel like we're going to know here pretty soon one way or the other, and I lean towards – I know some people don't want it to happen, but I lean towards – uh, giving Gonzaga that invite and, and bringing them in since it's not going to affect that football money. You're not hurting your other schools financially doing this. I mean, at that point, the rich get richer. Why not just go out and, you know, it'd be like the Rams last year getting Odell Beckham or Von Miller. Just go do it. Yeah. You know, at that point, I mean, you know, at, at the time that we're recording this, they're playing right now and, at the time we're speaking, Texas is giving them the work. But, you know, Gonzaga is regularly recruiting good enough to obviously be top of the country. So Yeah, they've been getting number uh, one recruiting classes the last two years. I'm I'm excited. I hope they do it. I, I'm all for it. If you know Gonzaga is not gonna field a football team. Um can you imagine like once or twice a year, Gonzaga and KU? That would be incredible TV. Yeah, and then you as a KU fan, imagine going up to Seattle or, you know, that, this, you know, anywhere near the sound to go see a game up there. Like, it'd be beautiful. Yeah. They played, like, you know, this time. Uh, you know, that area right now would be beautiful. Um, just to add that and, and, and to go to go into Pacific time for the Big 12, um basketball wise would be you know and while adding you know provo and 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 getting into that footprint would be incredible i'm i'm all for it yeah all right so we want gonzaga to come to the league um now gonzaga just get your football program started and uh we'll be all in <laughs> uh, we're, yeah we're pro, pro zag podcast yes yes we are Coming up next, uh, Joe Scanlon is going to join us. Uh, i got a great chat with him coming up on the other side. You won't want to miss it. Stay with us. Joining us now is none other than our friend Joe Scanlon, who is back. Uh, you know him from Local 4 in Nebraska, also from the Beavo Boys podcast and covering the XFL. He does it all, and he is back on the program. Joe, it is uh, good to talk to you, my friend. What's going on? Hey, it's been a minute, Tyler. Great to be back. Great to talk to you again as well. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see what we got today here. Yeah, Joe. And uh, you were just telling me uh, that uh, you're cooking up uh, some pizza today. What's uh, you doing this like <laughs> kitchen segment or something? What's yeah, going on? yeah. People want to look at it. I mean, uh, on our KSMB Local Four website, it's called In the Kitchen with Joe, and it's a segment I do. I go travel around the, the Tri-City area here in central Nebraska, and I uh, visit these uh, mom-and-pop restaurants, these local restaurants, um, and, and just highlight, you know, what they bring to the community and, you know, try some of their food and give a good review of their food. And so far, I have had delicious food. I've had pizza. I've had prime rib sandwiches. I've had barbecue. It's, it's, a, it's a good gig. I'll, I'll tell you that. It's a good gig. <laughs> okay, so here's the million-dollar question comes to pizza, and if you answer this incorrectly, 
We might have to just stop the interview and <laughs> say goodbye and go from there. Oh boy. Pineapple okay. on pizza, yes or no? Oh dude. Uh, I know what your answer is gonna be, but I say yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. See you later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Toodaloo. See you good later. Good show. Good show. Thanks for doing <laughs> uh, that's that's criminal, Joe. I mean, what are you gonna I, tell me next? Anchovy? I'm, I do like anchovy. Not the oh. same time as pineapple, but <laughs> oh. There's really not much I won't eat on a pizza, Tyler. Now, I have seen some weird concoctions. I've seen peas on a pizza. Won't do that. I've seen, like, ranch sauce instead of marinara sauce. And I'm like, that's uh, that's a little too much. I like dipping it in ranch sometimes, yeah. but not not for the whole sauce. Like, come on, that's too much. So, you know, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. I think, I think, I think the pineapple is becoming more accepted as a society. The anchovies, it's just if you like fish or not, man. Yeah. So, um, here's where I want to start today. Uh, Kansas and Texas place. I'm actually mm-hmm. bringing you this interview from the Kansas City airport, uh, where I just landed not too long ago. And Joe, I uh, I get excited for this game every year. It's been over a thousand days since uh, Texas beat Kansas in football, and uh, I'm going to cherish every moment of Saturday. Are you looking forward to Saturday? Has it been over a thousand days? Yes. We we won in 2020, 2020 though. The twenty twenty so, game got canceled. Oh no, you're right, it did. Oh my gosh, it was twenty nineteen. Oh <laughs> man, it's been over a thousand days. Um well that just threw me for a loop there, Tyler. Uh am I excited for this game? Well, it depends on which Texas team decides to come out and play, Tyler. Um, if it's the Texas team that we saw against Texas Tech, against Oklahoma State, against uh, TCU last week, then I'm not excited, and I'm going to probably cry. Um, if it's the team that played Oklahoma, the team that played Alabama, and the team that played uh, uh, West Virginia and Iowa State, um, and Kansas State, Kansas State was a pretty good game, then I'm going to feel a little better. Um this year, and I, I mean, Kansas fans, you know, don't get it twisted. You know, this ain't an upset and by any means if Kansas wins this game. They are a solid team this year. They already have six wins. They He's already preparing for a loss. Texas is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that's our curse. I think Vegas is cursing us by making us favorites in every game this year. Um, <laughs> Seven points against TCU, really? Yeah, that's that, that was easy money. I took money line on TCU. I made a lot of money that night. So... Yeah, I mean it's uh, that's what see that's what I don't get because they they favor them by nine. The money line's three thirty five uh, for Texas, so you ain't making any money really if you bet on them to win. And it's like, what has this team shown? I mean, the defense has improved vastly since last year. Um, the stats prove it. They have gone down in almost every category. Uh, the only category that they haven't really made a huge significant improvement is yards allowed per catch, and that's because there are holes in the secondary that still need to be filled. The middle of the watch the middle of the field in this game on Saturday, Tyler. It's going to be very open. Um, but the offense is just one moment they're looking like the best offense in the Big Twelve. The next moment they're scoring three points in the second half, and it's a trend that has been going on this whole season. They scored three in the second half against Oklahoma State. They scored three in the second half against TCU. They scored three in the second half against Kansas State. I don't know what it is that happens at halftime, what adjustments are made or not made, that 
Texas just does not have it in the second half, and that allows their opponents to get back in the games, and it ends up making it a close game. They were up on Kansas State 31-10. to 10. That should have been a blowout. They should have blown out of the water, and it ended up being a seven-point game. So that's why I'm very cautious about this game this weekend because Kansas is not the Kansas of, of olden days, and even those Kansas teams beat Texas twice. So – Although, actually, you know what? I would, I would like him to think because Jaden Daniels played last year. I'd say this Kansas team and last year's Kansas team are very similar. I'd say they're a little better this year than they were last year. Would you agree? Yeah, obviously. The record says so. Um, here's what I wonder as a uh, as a Texas fan. and, and uh, I, I promise I'm not just using this segment to bully you for 30 minutes. I know. It's um, which uh, which game was worse for you as, as a Texas fan? Was it last year, Sark's first year, or Charlie's last year when they when KU beat him in Lawrence? Last year, because we knew there'd be growing pains with Sarkeesian. We didn't think we'd be down two touchdowns to Kansas at halftime in Austin. Uh, with the Charlie Strong game, the writing was on the wall for Charlie anyways. So just losing by a walk-off field goal was kind of just the nail in the coffin. It was, you know... Not expected, but it was it was yeah, that happened. Not surprised. Okay. All right, let's move on. You're fired. And last year I just I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going on. Um and hopefully this year Sark's learned his lesson. It's been the revenge tour this year for most of the games. Uh, everyone that they lost to last year, they've beaten Oklahoma, got revenge on them. Um Iowa State, same thing. West Virginia, same thing. Uh, TC we beat last year, not this year. I don't, you know, whatever. And then Tech, same thing. Um, and then Oklahoma State once again did the exact same thing. So, like I said, it's going to be, a, it's all going to be about what team comes out to play on Saturday. And you know, two thirty at David Booth. I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I know fans are going to show up for sure. Yeah, it should be packed out. Uh, I'll be there. Definitely uh, have yep. a great time. And- so, so, Joe, here's what I wonder with the, the Sark era at Texas. We're mm-hmm. almost two full years into this now. There has been significant progress this year, but is it enough? Is it substantial progress? Is, is Sark the right guy heading this, getting this program heading in the right direction, do you think? So we talked about this on this last episode of the Bevo Boys. Um, I think he's the right guy to change the culture. And I think he's the, I think he is the offensive play calling genius. Everyone says he is if he's only calling offensive plays. You add in the other duties of head coach, and I don't think he can handle all of it. And I think we've seen that with the lack of adjustments in the second half, um, the lack of creativity, play calling in the second half. Um, I feel like it's just too much on his plate to have to deal with the defense and the special teams and the offense. And he is the offensive coordinator. So he's the one calling the plays. So if I think Sark's to be successful at Texas, he either a needs to hire an offensive coordinator or B he needs to delegate an assistant head coach to kind of oversee. Cause you know, what makes Nick Saban so good? Nick Saban is good because he has competent coaches to coach everything, and he just oversees the program. Coach O was the same way at LSU in 2019. And when you have a head coach that can just be like the CEO of sorts and just focus on the big picture instead of having to do the big picture and focus on the offense, I think that makes everything a lot easier for the team and everything's able to gel more and 
you're able to make those adjustments and you're not scoring three points at the second half. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I, I was looking at this year and when Quinn Ewers was out, the excuse was that, you know, when they lost a couple of games there, the finish the Alabama game, the Texas Tech game, well, if Ewers played, Texas would have won, and they very well may have. But then mm-hmm. the way that things have unfolded since he's returned, um, how would you evaluate this Texas team with Quinn Ewers? Are they significantly better with Ewers than they are without? Man, it depends on the day because against Oklahoma, Quinn Ewers looked lights out. He looked like he did in the first half of the Alabama game before he got knocked out of the game. Um, we got to remember, yes, Quinn Ewers is the highest-rated quarterback to come out of high school since Vince Young. But he is still a 19-year-old freshman. He skipped his senior year of high school to go sit at, uh, at Ohio State and play two snaps and handed the ball off twice. All he has under his belt right now is, I think, five games this year and two spring seasons. He's still young. He's still learning. Let's look at some of these Texas quarterbacks in the past. Was Colt McCoy the Colt McCoy we all know or all knew in his freshman year? No. Was he good? Was he average? Yeah, he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He was fine. Vince Young, freshman year. Was he the Vince Young that, you know, won the Rose Bowl against USC? No. Vince Young got benched. And I don't even remember the backup's name, but he got benched. And so Vince Young was a bad pass early on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you have to let him develop before you start throwing these things out like bust, overrated, stuff like that. Not everyone's going to be a Trevor Lawrence where they just come in and automatically just take over. Not going to be a Tua. You're not going to be you know, anywhere like that. Some people are Mac Joneses. Mac Jones was not great, and then Sarkeesian worked with them, turned him into a Heisman candidate. So I think you got to give Quinn one more year, and I think that's a reason why Arch Manning has not decommitted and just run for the hills because he knows the process, and I'm sure his uncles and grandpa have told him, you know, that's the process of being a college quarterback it's developing and if you have a guy that can develop quarterbacks like Sarkeesian you're going to be okay so a lot of what Quinn has he has the arm talent obviously we've all seen him sling it his issue now is the the uh, the intangibles the footwork stepping up in the pocket stepping and throwing he does not stepped and thrown the last two weeks he's just been like back back foot just throwing it and that lets that ball if you watch the games that ball just hangs up there you'll see it on saturday that ball is gonna hang unless he changed it hopefully (laughs) but he 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 the ball hangs up there and that allows the defensive backs to a get back and make a play on it or b just pick it off straight up so a lot of what quinn has to do it's a lot of growing and i think that's the reason sarkisian has left him in there in these games uh to, to struggle and learn now the problem i have with that is you have to win these games. They had to win TCU, and I think Hudson Card would have gotten uh, Texas a win, the way the defense was playing. Um, and and uh, to speak to Sark's quarterback prowess, Hudson Card was terrible last year. He won every game except the Tech game and the, the Alabama game, and it's Alabama. And yeah, I know Alabama's down this year, but it's still Alabama. And Hudson Card was able to be a competent quarterback and get Texas wins when they needed them. He was a game manager. He's able to use his legs. He was able, he's able to bring Texas a win. I don't know why Sarkeesian didn't go to him in the second half of the TCU game. 
we we never will know. But I think I think you can say that Hudson Card has gotten better in the two years that Sarkeesian has been there, and I think that's a good sign for a guy whose caliber is like Quinn Ewers that he's going to also get better, hopefully next year. A couple more things on UT, and then we'll uh, we'll move on here. You mentioned Arch Manning; he's coming in next year, yep. and you know the recruiting rankings are just as high on him as they were on Quinn Ewers, if not higher, just off the charts. What is the game plan when he arrives on campus? Is it to compete right away with Quinn Ewers? Is it to go in and redshirt and wait till Quinn leaves? What what is the the plan of action when Arch arrives? So from what I've seen on boards and from reports, um, the plan is at the moment to redshirt. I think his family realizes the the uh, benefits of development and getting that extra year to develop will be beneficial for Arch. Um, however, if Quinn keeps playing like he is right now, I could see a quarterback battle being waged in the spring. And I think that'd be an interesting battle to watch. Um, I don't think they're planning on him playing, but like I said, if Quinn doesn't develop at all, if he regresses, if he turns into a Spencer Rattler, then yeah, we might see Arch be playing as a true freshman at Texas. It's all going to just depend on, you know, what Sark wants to do, how Quinn progresses and a lot of, a lot of intangibles and, you know, what ifs that, aren't going to be answered yet until the spring. Now, uh, you look at uh, here in a couple of years, Oklahoma and Texas both making this move to the SEC. Oklahoma's having their struggles this year. Brent Venables not off to a great start to his tenure as the Oklahoma head coach. With, with that being said, with Oklahoma going through their rebuild, seeing what Texas is doing this year, Who's in better shape for this move to the SEC? Or, quite frankly, are they both in bad shape for this move to the SEC? What say you, Joe? Oklahoma's in trouble. I know you're an OU fan, Tyler. Um, I'm sorry, man. They're in trouble because not only is this defense just, like, lost out there, uh, recruits are dropping like flies. Colton Vasek, a highly rated defensive end, decommitted from Oklahoma, went to Texas. Um you can't have that. I've seen what that does to teams before. I've seen, it's happened in Texas before where people decommit and then leave. And so I don't know if it's Venables biting off more than he can chew from what I've heard from people inside. I actually know somebody who knows somebody inside the program. Venables ran the Grinch-style defense the first three games of the year, so that's why we saw Oklahoma looking really good. And then – the TCU game, he started trying to implement what he runs, what he ran at Clemson. And from what I've heard, it's a very complex style of defense, a lot more complex than Grinch. So I think Venables needs to get his guys in there. He needs to get the people he recruited because I think Grinch recruited the type of guy that won't translate well into the Venables defensive system. So I think that's why you're seeing OU struggle right now. And I think you're going to see them struggle for at least another year or two. Uh, as far as Texas goes, if the defense keeps progressing under Pete Kwiatkowski, like they did between last year and this year, I think they'll be ready for the SEC. The SEC is a quote-unquote defensive conference, even though it doesn't seem like it anymore. I think they can go toe-to-toe with almost anybody. Maybe not, you know. I mean, they showed it against Alabama. They did go toe-to-toe with Alabama. I think they could go toe-to-toe with anyone in the SEC right now except maybe Georgia and Tennessee. So, 
I think Texas is in a much better spot. They still have some things they need to work out, some things to build on. But if you want to compare the two teams, I'd say Texas is a little in a little bit better shape than OU. Um, but overall, uh, you, you mentioned you think OU's in bad shape. You feel fine with Texas, though? You think they're going to be – this transition is going to be okay? Any nerves at all for Texas making this move? Um, if they lose these last two games, I'm extremely nervous because five and seven to six and six is not a great progression. Um, if they end up going eight and four, I predicted eight and four this year. I didn't predict a Big 12 championship. The fact they were in Big 12 championship contention, I think a lot of people – national media, Texas fans, drank the Kool-Aid after the Alabama game and said, oh, my God, maybe this is the year. Maybe we don't need a progression year. Maybe we can go get the Big 12 this year. When the truth of the matter is, it was a down year for Alabama. Yeah. And and that has come to pass. It's almost like Texas-Notre Dame back in, what, 2015? 2014, 2015? Texas' back game? Yeah, Texas' back game. And everyone's like, oh, these teams are going to be really good. And then they were both terrible. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe um, <laughs> don't get me started yeah you know, he called the OU game and he, I, I swear to God he wanted to say it he wanted to say it so bad because they were you know because 49 nothing I was like don't say it don't you say it Joe um but back to my point eight and four is where I want where people where reasonable Texas fans wanted them to be eight and four with an outside chance of getting into the big 12 championship game in the second year after going five and seven I'll take that I'll take that any day of the week now, how we got to eight and four and the trends that I've seen this year, including in the wins, worry me. The second halves, the lack of adjustments, the lack of running Bijan. That poor kid, he's gone after this year. And we wasted probably one of the most talented runners that has come through college football. And Tom Herman wasted him. And Sarkeesian has now wasted him as well. But if you go eight and four, I'll even lower it to seven and five unless it gets ugly building on that year last year, that was just awful, terrible is a sign of positive movement. And that's what you want as a program trying to get out of whatever the heck Texas has been in the last decade. Yeah. So am I worried a little bit if they end up going eight and four, nine and four, possibly with a bull win, I think they're in the right spot. I think then you have to build on that. And if you've regressed from nine and four, you're in trouble. You are in trouble if you're Steve Sarkeesian. So it's all a bunch of what ifs, man. You just have to wait and see. It starts this weekend with Kansas. And so yeah. I'll be, I'll already be drunk. I'm going to the uh, Wisconsin Nebraska game. So I'll just keep going, I guess. <laughs> Watch the game and hopefully not be crying in a bar in Lincoln. So, <laughs> right. Speaking of which, uh, we mentioned you're in Nebraska there. Uh, Mickey Joseph, the interim head coach, there were rumors about him taking over as their next head coach. Um, we've seen the names like Matt Rule, the Urban Myers yep. of the world. Uh, what the hell is going on with this coaching search? Who's going to be the next head coach in Nebraska? Um, I don't think it's going to be Mickey Joseph. I know Trev Alberts, the athletic director here, has uh, alluded to making a decision here in the near future, the very near future. Um if I had to put money on it, I'd go Matt Rule. I think, let's be honest, the Nebraska head coaching job is one of the most attractive head coaching jobs in the nation. And you might think, but Nebraska sucks. Why would anyone want to coach there? Well, first of all, they're not a poor team, man. They have the resources. They have the facilities. 
Two, the fan base is, I would put them as the best in the nation because for a fan base to go through what they've gone through since, oh God, since 97, they, and they still show up and they still pack Memorial. Now they're all gone by halfway through the fourth quarter, but they do pack Memorial to start the game. For a fan base to have, to have that fan base behind you is something not a lot of college coaches can say. And three, there is a good ta- there's a good talent pool here in Nebraska, Iowa, that area, the Midwest. Um, I think you need to hire someone that is also a good recruiter. Now, whoever they do hire, whether it be Mickey Joseph or Matt Rule or Lance Leipold, 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 Leipold. Sorry, uh, Lance Leipold's a name that's been thrown out there as well. Um, Whoever they hire, they need to keep Mickey Joseph. That man has recruited well. He's brought in people from Louisiana. He can recruit the South like no one's business, and that's something Nebraska lost when they left the Big 12. They lost that pipeline to Texas talent, Oklahoma talent, and you've seen them struggle because of that. So you need a guy who's going to be able to recruit, and then you just need a guy who's just just not going to be – you know, they went, they went to – and this is all, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. They went too cute with the Scott Frost hire. They saw what he did at UCF, former Husker quarterback, former national champion Husker quarterback, and they thought, oh, look at this. Look at the storyline written for us, the Husker quarterback coming back to save our team. And he wasn't the guy at all in any capacity. He had a lot of off-field stuff issues that didn't really go to the light nationally, but local media, we heard rumors and whatnot um so i think with this next hire you have to go with a guy like matt rule a guy who turned baylor around from 2 and 11 to big 12 champs i mean what he won the big 12 right yeah he came close he won he went to the super bowl close. they didn't win the league though oh okay i thought they won last they won the league last year with the right under a okay. yeah. yeah yeah gotcha but I, but he did i mean you took a 2 and 11 team to a sugar bowl that's a pretty good turnaround. And yeah. so uh, I think I think Matt Rule is the guy for Nebraska. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing I wonder, and you're around that fan base. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what the expectation is anymore in Nebraska because Solich wasn't good enough, and they were in national title games but not winning them. Um, Polini wasn't good enough winning eight games, although there was some – other factors involved too. They didn't like the way, you know, he uh, approached things. And so, uh, you know, obviously they're, you know, they haven't had the success they would like in the big 10 and, and everything. What, what's the measuring stick you think that fans and the athletic department would be happy with? Would they take a coach that wins eight or nine games a year, or does it have to be 10 wins or does it have to compete for national titles? What is the expectation now at Nebraska? Well, you mentioned Solich, and you talk to Nebraska fans around here. They all say they should never have fired Solich. So take that for what it's worth. Um, right now, the measuring six get to a bowl game. I talk to Husker fans all the time here, and they just want to get back to a bowl game. And that's, you know, for a team that once was so dominant in the 90s, that's it's kind of sad to, to, to hear. It's they they've gone. They went three and nine last year. They're headed for three and nine this year, unless they somehow beat Wisconsin or Iowa and Iowa or Iowa, and still four and eight's not great either. So right now, the the measuring six get to a bowl game. 
In fact, I'd even give them two bowl games, and then they're going to want to start winning more games. And maybe, just maybe, they've learned from the past. I think Trev Alberts is a smart guy. I think he's going to realize if a coach is winning nine games a year, you got to keep them because then, you know, what? what's the what's the alternative? We go back to three and nine? I mean, right. I'll take nine wins I mean, a year. I know they're games. having a down year this year, but Nebraska, all you have to do is just look across the way and – if you're Iowa, I think you take that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at well, look And at there's Iowa no reason like, why so. they can't be able to be what Iowa is right now. They should even be better. Yes. No, I 100% agree. And it's so it's it's kind of baffling how Nebraska just continues to have these years like that. And I don't know if it's just personnel or if it's uh, a curse per se, but there, there's no reason Nebraska should be this bad for this long. And so hopefully whoever they hire is they will turn it around. Football's football. Someone said football's good when Texas is good. I think football's also good when Nebraska is good. When you get these big blue buds, uh, blue bloods back into the national spotlight, Michigan's been doing that lately. And, you know, we always got Ohio State, Alabama, all those guys. But you get Nebraska and Texas back into it, college football's you know, I mean, not that it's never been great, but it'll be really good again. The the glory days of the Big Twelve. You go back to the early two thousands with Nebraska playing well, OU and Texas compete for national titles. I mean, Colorado, Colorado was good. I mean, what the Big Twelve was back then is what we talk about the SEC now. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing how things have changed. Uh, you know, I, I miss those days. I wish we could bring them back, but. Unfortunately, it is what it is. Um, right. Real quick before we go, Joe, uh, I know we only just got a little bit of time left. I know you're big into the XFL. I love the XFL, mm-hmm. too. Um, I even like the USFL, but I think the XFL is going to be a bit of a better product here. We know the players now. We know the teams. Uh, what intrigues you about this third try at the XFL? Um, What intrigues me is the management. I – I didn't really trust Vince McMahon. I mean, he had tried the league once before back in 2000, 2001, whenever that first iteration was. Um, But I do think that XFL was going to succeed had it not been for COVID. Right. And so I think the way they have things set up now, they are a little gimmicky. The whole name thing being drawn, drawn out and all they had was one new name. I was like, come on, guys. Like, for, the li- for the little man syndrome of your hometown to enforce the renegades to go by Arlington instead of Dallas. Uh, it's not little man syndrome. When you're paying taxes on the damn stadiums, you should have your name on something. You're and a Arlington suburb. Renegades doesn't suck. You're, you're, you're a, we're suburb. a suburb. Yeah, we're a suburb, but literally, we you pay the taxes on AT&T Stadium and Globe Life Park and – Choctaw Stadium, and you see how you feel when they go, Welcome to Dallas. Okay. So, <laughs> no, nah, it's, I, I just, uh, you know, it's good. I don't know if they forced them to go by Arlington Renegades or if they just chose to. I would like to hope they just chose to because I don't, I, you know, you're right. Forcing them to call it the Arlington Renegades is very lame. <laughs> but, I mean, the teams, the logos are pretty good, minus the Sea Dragons. I'm sorry, that looks like an 8-bit seahorse. The, um, the fact they're named the Seattle Sea Dragons, that's like the Kirkland yeah. brand of the Seahawks. Base, yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right, the Sea, sea Dragons, Seahawks. Yeah, so what are we going to just put sea, sea, sea Mariners? Like, come on, man. Like, right, what, what's in the same stadium and everything? Yeah. Yeah, so. I'm all in then, on the Renegades again, though. Bob's on the Renegades, dude, yes. This is going to be Bob's way of getting in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh my god! 
<laughs> Will they even let XFL people into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, or are they going to have to make an XFL Hall of Fame? You know? Not the NFL Hall of Fame. It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, they're just a pro. Okay, well, there you go. But Well, Bob Stoops, is he in the college one? He should be in the college he one. He is. Right? He is in the college one. Yeah, okay. I was about to say, yeah. Okay, yeah, this could be his way in because I don't see him coaching in the NFL at all. And, yeah, I mean, I mean he was a good coach. I liked him when the XFL was in, around in 2020. Um, I think he he drafted – they just had their draft. They, I think he drafted a very solid team. Drew Plitt is one of the quarterbacks. And then, oh, some of the slate. I was slate. hoping they'd get Ben DiNucci. Oh, God, I was hoping they'd get Ben DiNucci too. I can't believe Ben DiNucci's in the XFL. That's just – I love it. Uh, and people were telling me he's not going to be in the XFL. And I was like, watch, Ben DiNucci's going to be on a team. Boom, Ben DiNucci. So, and uh, you got other names like Jalen McClendon from Baylor. Um, you know, so a lot of – there's some talent there in the XFL, so it should be a good product. Yeah, should be. Joe, uh, where can people find you and follow you, man? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Scanlon TV. You can find me on Facebook at Joe Scanlon Local 4. If you want to check out my stories in the kitchen with Joe, see all the good food I get to try. And then uh, Instagram, Joe Scanlon underscore TV. If you want to see a bunch of pictures of me and my girlfriend and go all the fun things I've done. I, you know, like I said, we went to, I went to Manhattan, watched the uh, Texas-Kansas uh, State game there, and um, – been to some, been to some cool things. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, we went to that uh, Kansas Texas Tech basketball game earlier this year. Yes, we did. I got pictures from that, and that was such a great game. Honestly, oh, was. I can't can't get over how good of a game that was. Hey, what do you real See, quick? The I mean, te- champs. Yes. How do you? How do you? Okay, all right. Calm down. But what do you think about Texas so far? They kicked the crap out of Gonzaga. I loved it. I loved every minute of that. Actually, I. Uh, uh, I want to get to the Moody Center. That place looks awesome. The fans are on yeah. top of you like that. The outside yeah. of the place looks like a performing arts center. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're in Dallas now. You just drive on down to Austin. Yeah. Go to I'll, Texas, did, Kansas. There you go. I, I'm, I'm planning on it. I'll be there for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I Chris Beard, the way that he won at Texas Tech, there was no way he wasn't going to be good at UT. I mean, right. it's almost scary, like, if he did what he did at Tech, the sky's the limit of what he can do at UT. And just gotta give him uh, time. Just give him a little bit of time. And as you can see, just in this one year, I mean, Gonzaga was is no slacker. They're no slacker. So yeah. to beat them by twenty something. <laughs> he's Joe Scamlin. Uh, he's a UT fan and likes pineapple on pizza, but he's still my friend. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Tyler, I appreciate you, buddy. Joe, thanks for joining us, and I will talk again soon. Sorry, right, man. Take care. <laughs> Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, OAGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. And we are coming at you today from the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios, as uh, we are in the Lawrence branch of a Studio Soapbox with Coach Bo, who has picked me up from the airport. And uh, we had a little Waffle House, and now we're here at Bo. Good to see you in the flesh. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tyler, as always. And good to have you here in Lawrence. Yes, uh, in town this weekend. Uh, Going to go watch KU basketball play Friday night, and then the uh, football game Saturday. And uh, you're uh, letting me uh, crash in your couch uh, this weekend too. So uh, <laughs> should great. be a fun couple days. Yeah, it should be fun to have you. It's always great to have you, and then uh, you'll have a great weekend. It's a basketball game and football game. It'll be yes, fun. Um, even without Bill Self, free Bill Self, yeah. free Bill. Self. Yes, <laughs> Bill. I mean, you got to give him credit. He was. He, he took responsibility, so accountable, you know, great guy. 
great, great, great guy, Bill. So, uh, Bo, uh, speaking of, since we're here at O'Connor Advice Group right now, yeah. Um, we, we mentioned we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. It's been an interesting time leading up to the holidays, but this FTX stuff certainly has uh, caught people's attention. Uh, you know, even all- those that aren't even in, in the crypto world or. Uh, aware of what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, this has been something that's one of those unique things where, you know, we don't do a lot of crypto, we don't do any crypto stuff here at O'Connor Advisory Group. It's just, we're not clear to do that through our broker-dealer. But a lot of people have been asking, what happens with my money if I have money at FTX? And, and or if, you know, what if you're at Coinbase or something like that right now? You know, we can definitely have those discussions with you and see what's a better alternative. Uh, we won't be able to host uh, in our accounts, your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, or any of your other uh, coins, but we can help as far as finding what may be a right solution if you're fearful of what's going on in different places of where, where things are. Help give you a little bit of guidance on those sort of things. This is certainly a unique situation, what's happened with TX, uh, FTX. With FTX, I'm sorry. And then the, the other thing with that is, you know, it's one of those non licensed kind of issues you know when you have a security it's not really a security this is what the crypto thing could have happened to not being regulated so um you know I, i'm not someone who's negative on crypto all across the board i actually own some myself but i am very careful about how much i own and we can help you out if there's something that you have questions about give us a shout oagks.com check click the uh, contact us always reach out to us that's the best way we can help you out always glad to have a conversation yeah oagcast.com or counteradvisorygroup.com or drop by the office in Lawrence too like I did today <laughs> um, I'm a client too uh, just visiting uh, stopping in let's uh, go through the slate of games we'll begin with our pigskin pick them this week last week Bo and Tom went 3-7 and seven. their picks were identical and I disagreed with them on 4 games I went 7-3 and three, so with that, Bo and I are pretty close to the standings. Tom is a distant third right now. Uh, the slate of games this week includes USC and UCLA. That game played in the Rose Bowl. USC favored by two and a half. Utah facing Oregon. Oregon favored by three at home. Illinois taking on Michigan. Michigan a big favorite by 18 at home. Georgia taking on Kentucky. Georgia 22 and a half point favorite on the road. And then the game that I'll be at on Saturday, Texas and Kansas, the Longhorns a nine-point favorite in Lawrence. Meanwhile, the National Football League, the Cowboys take on the Vikings. The Cowboys a slight favorite, a one-point favorite on the road. Chiefs and Chargers, the Chiefs are favored by seven in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, the Titans and the Packers, that game come up tonight on Thursday Night Football. The Packers are favored by three. The 49ers and the Cardinals, that game uh, going to take place in Mexico. And if the 49ers win that game, they'll be in first place in the NFC West. If not, then uh, they'll continue to be behind the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Niners favored by eight. Jets and Patriots in New England. Patriots favored by three. So, Bo, let's go ahead and uh, get things started here. Let's begin with... USC and UCLA there in LA. USC favored by two and a half. What do you think? Okay, so USC, I, I'm going with USC here. I'm laying the two and a half. I was so disappointed in UCLA last week. Um, they played 
horribly bad um, in their game. And I going into this week, I thought going into when looking at last week before their loss to Arizona, I thought UCLA could be the team that knocks off UC, USC. And we had those three teams between USC, UCLA, um, and Oregon, who they're all kind of fighting for the conference championship, and they all had a legit chance to get into the playoff. After Oregon drops a game last week and UCLA drops a game, now leads it up to USC. I'm going with USC here. I think they've got the better quarterback play. UCLA will score points in this game as USC's defense can't stop a nosebleed. So it'll be a high-scoring game, but I'm going to take USC late at two and a half, probably a late win. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll agree with you. I got USC, too. Caleb Williams, uh, to me, is uh, just fantastic, and uh, they're a more talented team than UCLA. No uh, no Travis Dye for USC. He's out for the remainder of the season, but they should be fine otherwise. I like USC to cover two and a half. It should be a high-scoring game. Staying in the Pac-12, Utah and Oregon. Oregon, a three-point favorite in this game. Oregon suffered a heartbreaking loss last week to Washington, ending their college football playoff hopes. Utah and Oregon still in contention to win the Pac-12 title at this point. Oregon a three-point favorite at home, but Bo, Utah has had the Ducks number as of late. Yeah, they have, and Utah has played their best games this year against good teams. Um, their two losses, their loss to UCLA in a game that he's got outscored in, and then week one against Florida in a close game. Uh, this is the same Utah team that beat USC earlier in the year, beat them by one, and um, did the thing at the end where they went for the two-point conversion to win that game. i tell you what, I'm taking Utah. I'm taking Utah plus the three. I just don't have any confidence in Oregon right now. Again, Oregon's one of those that let me down last week. They were on such a run, and then last week the real Bo Nix showed up. Yes. And uh, and Oregon lost uh, to was it? Oh, Oregon lost to Washington last week. Yes. And, and again, they had no business losing. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Went to overtime. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was something that Oregon should just run the table on, and. Again, Oregon is similar to USC in that they can score points, but they give up a lot of points, too. They do not have a great defense. Um, give me Utah in what I think will be a close game. And it clo- and, and I can see Utah winning outright, but I'll take Utah plus the three. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, Utah here as well. Cam Rising, uh, I think, is the better quarterback in this game. Kyle Whittingham uh, has fared very fairly well against Oregon over the years. Uh, and you may say home field advantage, sure, for Oregon, but there was an advantage to him last week against Washington. I'll take uh, Utah to win and covers a three-point underdog. Illinois and Michigan. Illinois is having their best year in a very long time under Brett Bielema as their head coach. Meanwhile, the Wolverines undefeated in contention for the college football playoff. 18 points, though, in a... Top 25 head-to-head matchup. Bo, is that too much for Michigan favored by 18? No, I don't think it is. And here's what I think is going to happen. I think what I've noticed with Michigan is Michigan runs away with games in the second half. They get that run game. They don't give a shit if it's going to be snowing, if it's cloudy, if it's rainy, if it's beautiful outside. 
They're just going to keep running the ball at you and keep running the ball at you, and eventually they just keep popping big plays in that, in that run game. I think Illinois has been a great story this season. They're 7-3. and three. They've, They really jumped on their non-con schedule and, and got all over it. But here the last few weeks, they have back-to-back losses to Purdue and Michigan State. They played Nebraska close. Minnesota was kind of close. Iowa was the 9-6 game. Um, I don't think Illinois is going to be able to score a lot of points. And I think Michigan just runs through them. Look at the second half there. Yeah, i got to go Michigan here. Michigan, uh, their resume is not great, but the eye test, they've been dominating in games throughout this year. I think they keep that going with uh, this game against Illinois here. So far, we're 3-for-3, three three, agree so far at this point. Um, Georgia taking on Kentucky. Georgia favored by 22 and a half. Bo, uh, I'm very curious. What Will Levis are we going to see on Saturday? That's the question. If There's a lot of points to this game. It's hard to give a player like Will Levis 22 points. Having said that, Georgia's got a great defense. Um, you know, they reloaded. Uh, Stetson Bennett has played better than he was expected to play even coming off a national championship. He's probably earned himself a spot in the draft now. I, maybe, and I think he's earned himself a spot in the final four for the Heisman as well. I think he'll be there when it comes to like, when, they, when they announce it. Um, you know, they played outstanding. I'm going to lay the points here, but I, I this is not a game I would bet myself. Uh, and the reason being is that I just I think that Kentucky, if that offense gets started, and it will at some point, they can score some points. They're capable of it. And Will Levis is extremely good. I don't know if he's still hurt or if he's just not 100%. I know I wouldn't want to be not 100% going against that Georgia defense. Yeah. So I'll take Georgia and lay the points for our sake, but I wouldn't touch the game with real money. Yeah, I'll take Georgia as well here. Uh, hard to bet a team that's playing as well as they are right now in Kentucky who – you can't just trust at this point. I'll take Georgia 22 and a half. Last college game, KU and Texas. The Longhorns favored by nine in Lawrence. Remember, Texas last week was a seven-point favorite against TCU. They lost in that game, obviously. Nine points in Lawrence. And Jalen Daniels might be able to go for KU. Sounds like he's going to be a game-time decision. Quinn Ewers hasn't played great as of late either. Bo, what are we thinking about here with UT favored by nine? I think Jalen Daniels is the the rule here. If if Jalen Daniels plays, I would take KU. If Jalen Daniels doesn't play, I would take Texas. For all intents and purposes right now, we don't know who's playing in that game. All things being equal, I'm going to take Texas. I don't like taking Texas, but I'm going to. Again, I would hedge by saying if Jalen Daniels plays – Kansas covers, and they'll have a chance to be in there to win the game. Uh, but it's going to come down to that player. I really like Jason Bean. I think he's got a strong arm, but I don't think he's accurate. Yeah. And they're going to need that against Texas. So if it's if it's Bean at quarterback, I, I just don't think it's going to be a great fit. Uh, and how about Devin Neal the last couple of weeks? I mean, he's been he's incredible. Racking up the yardage and, and been and been incredible. And so, the, I mean, he's been great. I want to take Kansas across the board. I just can't trust them without Jalen. So, as of right now, we don't know who's the quarterback, so I'll take Texas. 
I would flip the pick if Jalen was playing. I'm going to go with the Kansas here. I think Jalen is going to play. Uh, you know, they've held him out for a couple weeks when he potentially could have played. Texas, I feel like, saw him the downward spiral. They've had a lot of injuries stack up their direction. Um, they're pretty much out of the Big 12 title race at this point. Uh, I know that KU lost last week against Texas Tech, but this, to me, seems like a good turnaround game to uh, get that seventh win. I'll go with the Jayhawks, not only to cover as an underdog, but to go ahead and win outright. So there's our first disagreement of the day. Let's move on to the NFL now. The Cowboys and the Vikings. The Cowboys are a one-point favorite on the road in Minnesota. Ball, a very good football game here. Who do you got? Yeah, you know, so last week's Vikings game was the was the game of the week. Game of it, the year, maybe. May, yeah, maybe. And it was uh, incredible, just the back and forth between the Vikings and Buffalo. Uh, Vikings should have won the game on their own accord by scoring at the goal line. They didn't. Then Josh Allen fumbles a snap. The Vikings fall on it. Looking at the Vikings, though, if you can go into Buffalo and you can be competitive, and they came out with the win, and I'm not going to say there wasn't some luck involved. There certainly was. But I think if you can go in and do that, you can win at home against Dallas. Dallas is the team that every week I think this could be the time. Because I look at that team and I go, God, they're good. And they have a great roster, a great defense. Uh, they, they run the football, and if they run the football, they're going to be in any game. The Vikings are just loaded. The only problem I have with the Vikings is that the Vikings quarterback is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I, I, look, Kirk Cousins is good. He's a good quarterback. He's barely passes our Dak Prescott rule. Which makes him just a little bit better than Dak. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't know that... I don't know that I trust him to win me a Super Bowl. But I do like him at home. He has not had the really, really poor game. The Kirk Cousins three-interception right. game. Here. That receiving core is probably the best he's ever had. And Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the game right now. And you have him and Thielen and adding Hawkinson at tight end. They have the great run game as well. That offense is stacked. And their defense is playing better than people think. I'm taking the Vikings. A point is a gift. I think they're going to win out, right? The wrong team favorite here, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Minnesota here as well. Uh, Should be a very good football game. The great Cowboys defense, the great Minnesota offense. Offense beats defense, though. I'll take uh, the Vikings to uh, cover as a one-point underdog. Chiefs and Chargers in Los Angeles. The Chiefs a seven-point favorite on the road. They won this game in Kansas City on week two in a very close game that could have gone either way. Now the rematch. Chargers badly need a win here. Bo, what do we think about this matchup? Seven, is that too high for the Chiefs? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. I went to that first game. I was there in person. It was a hell of a game. And the Chargers looked every bit as good as the Chiefs week one. Problem is now the Chargers have so many injuries, especially on the defensive side and at the wide receiver position. And Justin Herbert, I mean, he went out there last week and played as good as you could possibly play for the first half of the game. And they still couldn't get a, a big lead on the 49ers. It, the Chiefs' offense is going to put pressure back on the Chargers' offense to try to score more. 
I just see the Chiefs outscoring the Chargers here. And I don't think the Chiefs' defense is great, but they can cover who's out there for the Chargers. Right. Chargers is too, too far down in the injuries right now. This is not going to be as competitive. Give me Kansas City. I go Kansas City, too. Uh, I think Chiefs right now are just in much better shape than that Chargers team is. And Justin Herbert hasn't been the same quarterback since that rib injury he suffered against Kansas City Week 2. So I'll go with the Chiefs uh, as a a seven-point favorite to cover. Titans and Packers tonight on Thursday Night Football. The Packers are a three-point favorite at home. Got the big emotional win last week over Mike McCarthy and the Cowboys. The Titans seem to be headed the right direction. Ryan Tannehill's going to be back for this one. What do you think here, Bo? So the, the Titans will be better this week with Tannehill back. I mean, they just weren't ready to throw the ball at all last week when Malik Willis. And to do that in Arrowhead is just really hard. I think there's something wrong with Aaron Rodgers. And I'll put it this way. The Packers, we've been complaining about this on my podcast. The Packers won't run the football. This week they ran the football. And it worked. And it worked, which is exactly what I've been telling them to do all season. But when Rodgers was throwing the ball, something seemed a little off. I don't think he's 100% right. I think they played as well as they could have played last week offensively. I don't think we'll see a repeat that from Christian Watson. I'll take Tennessee and take the points here. I just don't have a real good feel for how either team is going to come off of the by, of the, the short week. I think that's going to be harmful to Rodgers. And I think Tennessee getting Tannehill back is a difference. So give me, give me Tennessee. I do expect a big dose of Derrick Henry and a big game from Derrick Henry. I like all the points you made there uh, about Tennessee. But even with that said, uh, I look at this Green Bay team, I think that Cowboys win could be – a turning point in the season for them. And where they're at record-wise, the Packers are playing for their season every week at this point going forward. Um, I'll go with Green Bay at home as a three-point underdog to – or three-point favorite, rather, to uh, get it done. couple more games here for you. 49ers and Cardinals from Mexico City on Monday night. It looks like Kyler Murray is going to be able to give it a go for Arizona. And uh, San Francisco coming off that win against the Chargers – on Sunday night, playing in Mexico City, San Francisco's favored by eight here. Bo, what do you think about San Fran favored by eight in I, this game? Is I that too it, much? I think it's a little too much. Um, the Cardinals are capable of scoring points. Um, the 49ers are not capable of putting up a large number. And, and it, it comes down to they're going to run the ball, they're going to shorten the game. They've got a lot of weapons on the field, especially in the run game. But in the end, they're not going to go out there and score you know, 30 points. And to beat somebody by 8 in the NFL, you're going to have to score at least 28, I'm thinking. I don't know if they're actually capable of doing that. Cardinals can throw, can throw up 30 in a giving game. Um, I'm taking the Cardinals plus the 8. I think there's going to be some, you know, the Monday night, the changes some things up, that kind of stuff. I'll take the Cardinals here plus the points. I'll take the uh, 49ers in uh, this game here. Uh, the 49ers, uh, you'll find themselves as you know this eight-point favorite and in a situation where I think that you know the Cardinals are going to struggle offensively with with uh, Kyle Murray not being 100. percent I'll go with uh, San Francisco here. Final game on the slate to pick: the Patriots taking on the Jets. New England favored by three at home. Both Patriots playing a lot better football as of late. 
Two young quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. I asked Thomas this question earlier. I'll ask the same question to you. Which quarterback would you rather have right now, Zach Wilson or Mac Jones? I think it depends on how you're going to call plays. Yeah. Um, I think that Mac Jones is a first-round pick and a guy you've got to know if he's going to be any good. But he, he is not fit for the offense if their offense is going to be trying to make big plays down the field. He doesn't have the arm or the ability for that. So if that's going to be an important part to the, to the New England offense, I would go with Zappi. If that's not, if they're willing to run the ball, use the play action, or to let um, Mac Jones do like he did at Alabama, sit in, the, sit in his shotgun, look at the field, make the right decisions, then I would go with Mac Jones. I just think that what they're doing in the passing game of trying to go too vertical is hurting Mac Jones. He doesn't have the arm or the accuracy for that. Yeah. He doesn't have the deep ball accuracy. Yeah. And he doesn't have the length with his arm. But he'll, he'll cut you up yeah. in the 20 yards and in. So let him do that and then have the run game added to that. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, New England three here. This one's a hard game to figure out. Um, I could see this really going either way, but I lean towards the, the home team here. I lean towards New England uh, getting things done and take care of business because the Jets, even with their the six wins they've had, you know, six, seven wins, whatever it is, that who's the best team they've beaten? The Packers? You know what I mean? Like, I, I still feel like we really don't know how good the Jets actually are. I'll take New England to cover that three. Well, I, I'm on the other side of that. I like the Jets here. Um, and, and I again, it's because I don't know what the Patriots are going to do. Whatever the Patriots are going to do is going to work for the most part. That's just how Belichick is. But the Jets have beaten the Dolphins. They've beaten the Packers. They've also beaten Buffalo. Um, oh, that's right. They did beat yeah, Buffalo. And, yeah. and those were all close, except for the Dolphins. They blew the Dolphins out. Um, but that was the no two of the Dolphins right. that week. Um, but the Jets have played extremely well. Their defense is really good. They're getting good production from Zach Wilson, and the receiving core they have there is young and talented. I like this Jets team. I don't know if they're ready for prime time. Yeah. I think they could be a playoff team, and uh, they're certainly playing better. They're one of the teams that we were looking at early in the season and going, this could be that team that wins six or seven games, and at the end of the season we go, wow, they're really improved. They're right. already at six wins. They could end up at 10 or 12 wins, yeah. and we'd be like, hey, that's a really good team. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the Jets here, plus the three. I just don't know what Patriots team we're going to see, and I like what the Jets are doing. Okay, so there you have it. That's our uh, pigskin pick em this week. As uh, We'll move on now and talk, uh, continue in the NFL. That's where we'll uh, shift gears. and Got to first talk about Jeff Saturday, getting the win last week. And, you know, we heard all these naysayers like Bill Cowher and all this say it was a disrespect to the profession. And, and you know, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little skeptical in the hire myself, but I wasn't to the extent of, Calling a disrespect to the profession, you know, and outlandish like that. But nonetheless, Saturday gets it done. Bo, I, I think that there's a decent chance that Jeff Saturday's going to get that interim tag removed when it's all said and done. I don't know that he will. I, I and when we talked a little bit about this last week, talked about it on my pod as well. But I think that the Jeff Saturday, I was, I, I said I was kind of of two minds about it. 
I do the thing I didn't like about the hire was that it was an external person coming into a team situation in the middle of the season when there's experienced guys already on the staff. Yeah. Now I'm not gonna sit there and say, hey, you had to hire this guy, you had to hire that guy. Um, you know, me, I would have gone with John Fox. But at the same time, I do see what Ursay was trying to do, shake things up, to do something different. He's a different kind of cat. I get it. So I also like Jeff Saturday. He's also a well-respected guy in the league. This guy's been on, obviously, he's been on TV for years now. Everybody likes him. Everybody likes this guy. Um, he's a guy who brings people together. He was the head of the NFLPA for years. Yeah. He knows how to work within the system, how to work with different types of individuals. So I don't think it was a terrible idea. There are some downsides to it. But in the end, they came out and played like a team. They played hard. You know, he's not going to be there fixing things. He's not calling any plays. Right. I, I, I think he could be the leader of that team. I don't think he's going to get the job permanently, though. I, I mean, the reason being is I don't know that he wants the job permanently. I think that it's you know, he's going to come in here and work for 10 weeks and get paid very well to do it. And then... I think he'll go back to being a consultant. I, I don't think he's going to be the head coach moving forward. Um, and I could be wrong there, but I don't think that was his thinking coming in, is take this as an interim gig to get to the, the head coaching job. I think he thought of it as, I'm going to do this favor for my buddy, because he and Ursay are close. Right. And then from there, I'm going to get paid well, and then I'll have a little more cachet when I go back to ESPN. Yeah. Maybe so. Something to think about. Yeah. The coach that he beat, Josh McDaniels, uh, of the Raiders. The Raiders have been a dumpster fire, been a, a hot mess this year, and Josh McDaniels is probably the biggest reason why. Yeah. Um, you know, if you haven't been paying much attention to that team this year, I mean, Sunday was everything you needed to see. The fact that he lost to Jeff Saturday like that, to a home game in the way that they did, I mean... And then to hear afterwards Mark Davis say that he thinks that uh, McDaniels is doing a fantastic job here and reports indicate that they have no plans to fire him no matter what after this year. Um, what is it, Bo, that, that uh, Mark Davis is seeing in Josh McDaniels that no one else is? I think he's seeing that he has to spend a bunch of money if he gets rid of him that he doesn't have. Yeah. But, I mean, even hiring him, I, yeah. mean, I mean, he wasn't the I, best candidate. No, I don't think he was either. I think that – I think Josh McDaniels got in there and, and probably put some kind of a whammy on him and said, hey, I, I can do this, I can do this, and get, and get somebody to believe in him. This is the same Josh McDaniels that, you know, think about it. He was with he, – he, he chased out Jay Cutler to bring in Tim Tebow. Yes, I was going to go there. But go back to when he was first with the Patriots. I liken him to someone who is, he has some great ideas, but he always had the filter of Bill Belichick. Yeah. And then he got the opportunity in Denver. He went in there and he had, hey, I got the Jay Cutler. I don't really like Jay Cutler. So he moves on from Jay Cutler, but then he went and got Tim Tebow. And I think even on draft day, we were looking at him going, really? First round pick? First round pick, yeah. This, you're the only guy who wants this guy. And there was a reason for that. The guy can't throw the football. Uh, I was listening to I was listening to uh, Beaumonty Jones and Mina Kynes talk about it a couple nights ago. And Beaumonty said, "Mina, you throw the ball better than Tebow does." Uh, 
it, it, it just, I look at it and I go, man, then the guy, he craps out in Denver. He was awful. He goes back to Buffalo. They weren't a great offense. And they weren't like this inventive offense. They just game plan well. And I think so much of that runs through the Belichick filter. Right. And McDaniels used that to get this job, this job in, in Las Vegas. And there's a talented team there with some talented players. But they've had bad, bad poor luck with the draft with Henry Ruggs getting in trouble and a couple other players, that first rounders who haven't been good. And you go, man, the, the covers maybe weren't as full as we thought. Derek Carr is their quarterback. We know how I feel about Derek Carr. They should have cut him loose when they had the opportunity in the offseason. Uh, and he's going to be the scapegoat. It'll yeah. be Derek Carr as the scapegoat this year. But I do think that in the end, I think this is the, the coach's issue. Um, I think Derek Carr's capable but not great. Right. And in the end, I think that the issue that I have is Mark, Mark Davis is a bad owner. He, he's, a, he's a spoiled rich kid who his dad was, his dad was the guy who loved football, knew football, understood football. And he understood the game, but he was also the rebel on the business side. Yeah. And I think that that's what Mark is trying to do on the football side, is be unlike everybody else. He thinks that's who his dad was. His dad was the rebel only on the business side. He wasn't in the football side. I mean, this is the guy who hired John Madden and had lots of success. He had Tom Flores, had a great deal of success. And he let them do their jobs. He job. let them do their jobs. Art Shell was their coach for a long time. He let Art Shell do his job. You know, this is this coach, this, this owner, he made a huge mistake with Gruden and Mayock. Then everything that happens, happens. He has to fire both of them. He brings in Josh McDaniels. Look, if you go through that whole situation, you need to bring in someone who will bring stability to the program, not be, you know, shooting off the walls. And I think that's a big issue. I think so, too. I think that if, if the Raiders could, I would fire Josh McDaniel this season. I yeah. wouldn't even let him finish the season. Yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, the Eagles finally lost on Monday. Their undefeated record is over, but still the best record in football. First loss of the year, obviously. Um, does anything change for you of your perspective about the Eagles? I mean, that's no. It's not a bad loss. The Commanders aren't a bad team. No, the Commanders are better than people think they are. They're better with Tyler Heineke than they are with Carson Wentz for yeah. sure. And I think that when I look at that team and I look at um, I look at the Eagles. All right, you're going to have a bad game. Jalen's going to have a bad game. It's going to happen. No one plays perfect every week. And and he didn't have a great game. There was some poor officiating, especially at a couple of big points in the game, that I thought were calls that went against the Eagles that I think could have changed the outcome of the game. But I don't like you know saying that they gave them the game. It certainly wasn't the situation. Um, in the end, the Eagles didn't play. They had a couple turnovers that were in bad spots. You know, you're going to have one. Nobody goes 17-0. It's just not going to happen. It was hard enough to go 16-0, which only one team ever did, and then they lost in the playoffs. You had that one extra game, going 17-0 is just unrealistic. It's it's funny how adding one game to your schedule makes it infinitely harder to go undefeated. Right. It is absolutely true. 
Yeah, it's going to happen. Everyone's going to lose a game. Right. And the people who are complaining this week and saying, well, the Eagles are frauds. <laughs> or Buffalo's lost two games. They're a fraud. No, it's they're really good teams. The Eagles, I think, are the best team in the NFC. Um, and I and I think they'll be back on track very soon. I just it's they're a team that's gonna end up with two or three losses. Everyone's gonna have two or three losses. Right. At least. And I think we're making a mockery out of just we lost one game. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh I've not lost any faith in that that Eagles team based on one loss against a, a decent commanders team and and the commanders have played so much better since Taylor Heineke took over as their starting quarterback. Carson Wentz uh, is not ready. Heineke will start again Sunday. Um, it's no secret you and I aren't fans of Carson Wentz by any means. Has no. Heineke earned the right to keep that job? I think so. I do. I think he's a better quarterback. I think that he turns the ball over less. He makes better decisions with the ball. Carson Wentz has more physical talent. But also, Carson Wentz isn't liked. His locker room doesn't like him. And the locker room hasn't liked him everywhere he's been. I don't know what that is. I don't know him. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've heard things, but I'm not going to sit here and speculate. But what I will say is I think that Tyler Heineke is a guy who players like that he's worked himself to get to that position. Yeah. And he seems to get, he seems to have respect across the locker room. It's because he plays hard. He doesn't make mistakes. And I don't know. I like the kid. I, I, he would not be my franchise quarterback. Yeah. But he is a better decision maker than Carson Wentz. And right now you have to have the better decision maker. Yeah. One more thing on the NFL, then we'll move on here uh, to college football. Tom Brady, 2-0 and since the divorce. Playing really good football, too. He's, he's playing the best he's looked all season the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought he was really impressive against Seattle. Good Seattle team yeah. uh, last week in Germany and everything there. Um, you know, Giselle's got the jiu-jitsu instructor now, and Tom, uh, as a single man, is uh, looking pretty good here. Uh, are you buying back into Tom, or are you still selling uh, Tom Brady here? I'm still selling. He played like shit against the Rams. He just played the one good possession at the end of the game. I didn't watch the game against the Seahawks. It was a little early for me, so I didn't do that on Sunday morning. But I think, again, what I did notice in that game was – the Bucks decided they wanted to run the football. Yeah. And the secret sauce to the Bucks is run the football. Uh, let me pull these stats up real quick here. They got the um, worst rushing game in the league. Yeah, but they ran the ball 44 times this past week as opposed to Brady throwing it 30. It had been games where Brady was throwing it 50 times or in the high 40s and they were rushing 12 times. Give me the run game. And in this league right now, yeah. I'll say it like this. Unless you have that dude, and there ain't but two of those. Those two are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah. Unless I've got that dude, I want the run game. Um, and that's what the Bucks are going to have to do. If the Bucks are going to run the ball 40 times and Brady's going to go 22 of 29, hey, yeah, he's going to play better. Less expectations and less he has to do. But if they're going to have Brady drop back 45 times and run it 13 times, as they had for three or four weeks in a row, 
They're going to continue to lose games. Here's what I want. All comes down to that run game. So, you know, Brady and Byron Leftwich have been paired up for a few years now. Yeah. Been a pretty good combination for the most part. Um, how did it take Leftwich this long this season to figure out the priority of the run game? Doesn't that fall on the, the offense coordinator? Isn't that on Leftwich? All right. So, I have a belief on this that I think I have no concrete evidence. Okay. But I think that Brady opts into plays where he's throwing the ball. I think that a lot of times they have two calls. They get to the line of scrimmage. And I think Brady looks and says, okay, there's seven guys in the box. I'm not going to run the ball. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in his offensive line in that way. He knows he can get rid of the ball super fast. And so that buys him enough time with that offensive line. I think he checks into pass plays more often than checking out of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's caused a lot of these games. I'm looking at the game right now. Against the Ravens, he threw 44 times. They ran 15 times. Um, And of those 15, he had one of the the carries. Um, You know, and he goes 26 to 44. They're not going to win that game. Um, I think that Brady is part of the problem when they play poorly. Yeah. He doesn't have a great arm anymore. Now, he played spectacular for one possession at the end of the Rams game. Yeah. Absolutely did. Took him right downfield. The Rams played horrible defense. Their defense has been really bad most of the year, actually. Right. And they were on roller skates the whole time. Brady takes him down in a minute, scores, because two-point conversion wins the game. The Seahawks game, I didn't watch much of. I saw highlights. And, again, what I did see was the run game come to life. I, that's the big thing, and as the so it's Brady and Leftwich. I I think it's both. I think that it's I think it's checking into certain plays. As I look at the the schedule coming up for the Bucks, they've got Cleveland, New Orleans. They should win both of those. Then you got to go to San Francisco. Then you got the Bengals at Arizona. Should win that. Then they end with Carolina, and then at the Falcons in the last week. They'll be playing for the opportunity to win the division at the end. Um, you know, right now they are leading the division, but they're leading the division in a division that is not good. And the Atlanta Falcons are only a game back um, and still have a game with the Bucks. To me, it's going to come down to, I mean, the Atlanta Falcons are playing better than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right now. Yeah. I really think so. And I I don't like to say that as, as a Saints fan. I hate saying that. And the Saints are two games back, and they're just awful. Panthers are just awful, too. But, uh, you know, this Panthers team beat up the Bucks three weeks ago. Yeah. I think the Bucks have an issue, and I think Tom Brady is a big part of that issue. Yeah. And I know I'm kind of unique in saying that. Father Time is undefeated, and Father Time has Tom Brady up against the ropes. And when Tom Brady wants to get out of the ropes – He's going to have to hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, moving on, let's talk college football now. So based on my calculations, uh, Bo, there are, technically speaking, nine teams still with a possible shot at making the college football playoff, even by the slimmest of margins. Here's the nine teams I have. Okay. And granted, I'm saying even the 1%, you know, the very, very bottom. Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, LSU, USC, Clemson, North Carolina. That's it right now. 
And realistically, even beyond that, you chop it up. It's really Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, Tennessee, USC as really yeah. the main five yeah. or main six of that nine there. Yeah. I mean, this is, we're, we're getting down to the very end here. Yeah, we're getting to the end. We still have a couple things to still happen. Ohio State, Michigan still has to happen. And that's the big elimination game. That is basically a playoff game. You don't think the loser has a shot to get I, in? I, I, I think the Not loser, over Tennessee? I don't think over Tennessee, no. Even Ohio State, who has the Notre Dame win? Yeah, I do. I think that if if I was going to choose, if Michigan beats Ohio State, now let's see if it was 24-23, you know, in a blinding storm and both teams' defenses play well, yeah, I think Ohio State's got a chance, or Michigan, to get back in it. But I think that Tennessee, well, I know Tennessee's schedule is going to end up being one loss. I mean, they've got the next two games. They're going to win both of them running away. But then you've got the Ohio State-Michigan game, and then the other one playing, the winner playing in the Big Ten championship game, likely, I think, against Illinois uh, when I looked last looked last week. So that should be a, another game they should win. It's going to be tough. Um, the way I look at it now is you have sort of the elimination game. The winner of Ohio State-Michigan is in. Yes. The winner of Georgia-LSU is in. If LSU would win and win the next two. They've got to win their next two games. And beat Georgia. Does a two-loss LSU SEC champ surpass some of these one-loss teams? I think as an SEC champion, they will. And the reason is that the, the, the college football playoff has said over and over, conference championships matter. What? Oh, okay, let's say USC wins out, has one loss. Uh-huh. Does LSU at two losses get in over a one-loss SEC? I think they'll look at the LSU's thing and say, yeah. They'll look at it and go, hey, they're only lost to Tennessee. Uh, in conference, and they'll look at the one the one point loss to Florida State and kind of forgive that in week one. Yeah, I, I think that they're looking at it and going, that's the SEC champion. If LSU beats Georgia, I don't think they will. And I'm an LSU fan. If LSU beats Georgia and has beaten Alabama and Georgia, they deserve. It. And SC's best win would be what? UCLA, Notre Probably, Dame. They still have UCLA and Notre Dame, which will help them. And then they'll have a Pac-12 championship game if they beat UCLA this week. Their next two wins are their best two wins. USC hasn't beat a ranked team yet. Yeah. And that's, and that's not guess their that, fault. I'm going to guess that USC probably slips and loses one of those two anyway. I, I don't know. It, USC's defense is just not very good. They allow a lot of big plays right. and a lot of points. Welcome to the Alex Grinch experience. Yeah, I just think that that's a big deal. And, yeah, I, I do think that the, two, the teams that can play their way in, I mean, obviously TCU, should, if they went out, they should be in. The winner of Ohio State-Michigan, if they're undefeated, should get in. I think Georgia will beat LSU, and I think they'll get in. That's going to eliminate LSU. Um the team that's going to be able to steal a spot is either Tennessee or, God, I hate this, a Clemson-North Carolina winner in the ACC. But I think that, again, even a one-loss team at the champion over there isn't going to look as good as Tennessee. Yeah. So, I mean, Tennessee, they, their next two are against Vanderbilt and, and South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, they're going to win those going away. 
the team that has the biggest worry right now is TCU. Because, I mean, they, there's no wiggle room. There's none. They, they can't be a one loss conference champion and get in now. And They're going to get disrespected if they lose. And with such TCU, too, as impressive as they have played, um, there is nothing they can do to be one of the top two seeds. Georgia's going to be the one seed no matter what. Yeah. And the Ohio State Michigan winner is going to be the two seed. The best they can be is the three seed. Yeah. Yeah. And if their name was Oklahoma or Texas, they would they would probably have a chance to be that two seed. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that if Ohio State beats Michigan, I think Ohio State will for sure be the two seed, assuming Georgia wins out. Um, I could see TCU jump in Michigan if Michigan wins a sloppy game against Ohio State. Maybe he doesn't play as well in the conference championship game. But, man, Michigan's so good in the second half of games. They put teams away in the second half. That's the most impressive thing about that Michigan team is that if they're close, they're going to get you in the second half. I would badly want to watch a Michigan-Georgia game. We saw that last year. It wasn't pretty. I think it's a little better this year. I think, Georgia's, I think Michigan's run game is so good this year. I think they're a better offense this year than they were last year. I don't think Georgia's defense is as historically good as they were last year either. Two things, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, With TCU, the way they dominated last week against Texas, Mm -hmm. and there was a giveaway touchdown there at the end, they really should have won Mm 17-3. I felt like that was a statement win, a coming out party to the nation. And, you know, to what they've played all year long, TCU, I think, is capable of beating anyone not named Georgia. I don't want to disagree with you, but then I look at TCU and I go, okay, who is their best win? And it's either a close game with Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Right. Maybe they'll play, likely play again. And I'm, I'm not sold on K-State. I just, I just haven't been. I'm not going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, I think TCU's got a puncher's chance against anybody. They're going to score points. They're going to allow some points, but they're a better team. I think you said it really well earlier when you said that if TCU were Texas or Oklahoma, they'd be much better respected. Yes, and I think that's a bit. I think that is part of it. Is the name? Hey, look, they're a good team. They're a good football team. I do think last week was a statement game against Texas. They thought Texas. Yeah, I mean, look, that game was closer in the score than it was. They thumped. Texas. That game was never in doubt at any point. And they're seven-point underdogs. Yeah, and they and they shouldn't have been. And, you know, I think that's why a bunch of us picked TCU last week. Last one, and yeah. then uh, we'll wrap up here. Uh, Georgia, you know, we mentioned number one team, undefeated, uh, leading the SEC. If, if Georgia continues on this track and wins the national title back-to-back years, is... Is this a changing of the guard? Is this going to be Kirby Smart's SEC? Yeah, it is. And I think part of it is, I think the biggest reason, one, they will have unseated Bama twice. Um, Then Bama was weakened this year by LSU. Also, I I keep thinking that Saban is going to eventually say it's done. 
That man's 71 years old. He doesn't look like he's having any fun out there at all anymore. And it's and he doesn't like the NIL. And I think that that's the new game. And Bama's not going to be competitive in that way. When that hasn't been what Bama has had to do for the better part of the last generation, you know, for 15 years. It's been, hey, I'm Nick Saban. I'm the best coach of all time. All my players go to the NFL. Come here, young man. You know, come study under Yoda. Well, now, Kirby is just about as good. They win national championships, and you can get money at Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that if Georgia runs the table, they have Kentucky this week, and we talked about that game already. They got Georgia Tech, which will be easy for them next week, and then LSU in the championship game. But that will be a home game for Georgia in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, the LSU fans will be loud, but there'll be, there'll be less of them. Uh, but it'll, yeah, I mean, Georgia is the bull in the woods. Yeah. And they are, they are really good. And they're going to get better as they recruit better quarterbacks. Yeah, the thing, their two not title game appearances are with guys named Jake Fromm and Stetson Bennett. Yeah. 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 So... Very interesting. Uh, Bo, thanks for having me in the O'Connor Advisor Group studio. Always a pleasure. Thanks for coming by today. It has uh, been a pleasure, uh, and uh, we will be chatting again uh, next week. And uh, Check out O'Connor Advisor Group, OEGCast.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, uh, what's on the Coach Bo Knows show this week? Uh, we just recorded a couple nights ago. They just came out. Uncle Rico and I preview this week in the NFL, talk about last week. And just kind of our thoughts, kind of midway thoughts through the season. And then coming up, Ellen and I are going to be talking on Friday. Uh, we'll be talking about just everything. We're going to just go like individual, uh, kind of a rants version of the podcast of a lot of different subjects. With college basketball being here now, a little bit of college football, some NFL. We're going to jump around to a lot of different subjects as we got kind of tied into one topic each of the last two weeks. He's Coach Bo. Uh, check him out. The Coach Bo Knows Podcast with Connor Advisor Group. OAGcast.com. O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you Tyler. Have a great week. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fulry story of the week. Thomas Bridges is here with me as he is going to tell us something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where shall we head out to this time? Jones, well, you know, we've uh, we've – over the course of time, over the course of, uh, I don't know what it's been at this point, uh, 11 years, we've been, we've been all over the world. Um, it's, if we have, it's been a long time since we've been in outer space. And that's where we're going this week, Jones. Um, this comes from uh, news24.com. And the article reads, politician has sex with alien four times a year a politician claims he has sex with an alien four times a year simon parks town counselor in whitby north yorkshire says his marriage has hit the rocks after he fathered a love child called zarka following intercourse with the creature which he refers to as the cat queen speaking to north echo newspaper simon said no pun intended what will happen is that we will hold hands and I will say, I'm ready. 
and then the technology I don't understand will take us up to a craft orbiting the Earth. My wife found out about it and was very unhappy, clearly. That caused a few problems, but the sex is not on a human level, so I do not see it as wrong. Then it gets into a different type of style. The driving instructor, question mark, who has three human children, question mark, insists his real mother is a nine-foot green space invader with eight stick-like fingers who stood before him when he was just six months old. Speaking on Channel 4's documentary, Confessions of an Alien Inductee, he explained, I thought, they're not mommy's hands. Mommy's hands are pink, and mommy's hands have thumbs. These are green and pointed, and there's four of them. I was looking straight into its face. It enters my mind through my eyes, and it sends a message down to my optic nerve into my brain saying, I am your real mother. I am more important. I am your more important mother. Uh, Jones, crazy article. That's where it ends. Do you believe in having sex with alien, Jones? Really, the, the question I have for you is, uh, really the question I have for anybody listening, do you believe in another life force? Do you, never, do you believe in another life being? Do you believe... Uh, you know, you believe in life outside of Earth. I do. As- I do, but I don't believe that we're having people uh, or having sex with uh, with aliens. That part, I-, I can't. You can't get me to. Now, if we confirmed it that there were aliens like the like we know, they've confirmed it. Uh, well, this guy has obviously tried to confirm it, that it was a very big green creature with four fingers and no thumbs. <laughs> uh, would you have sex with it? No. Would you? Or what if you didn't have a choice? Well, no, I guess that would be raped. <laughs> but <laughs> if, 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 they, if they took you to the spacecraft... Would you alert government forces? I think I would. How, yeah. how would you? So, because I feel like, I feel like, if you were to say, "Listen, a government," I don't know, a government being outside of the, outside of any world government is, you know, tractor beaming me into a, uh, a, a, a UFO essentially, and uh, having its way with me. Uh, if you alerted the government to that, I think for the most part they would kind of look at you like, uh, "Yeah, sure, go, you know, keep smoking some crack." You know, is is this guy it has to be a little off his rocker to believe it? Um, you know, and his wife, you know, is either sticking with him because I, I don't know his his wife is trying to clearly believe like, oh, she's unhappy because I'm having sex with an alien. Uh, (laughs) She's either unhappy because of that or she's either unhappy because obviously her husband's crazy and thinking that he's just getting abducted to a tractor-beamed UFO and then going up to God knows where and, uh, you know, either getting dicked down or dicking down. Uh, uh, 
a bigger than six foot green alien creature. You know, Tom, I always thought it was odd when people tried claiming that they were having sex with with a ghost. Oh, yeah. I still think that's odd. But this, like, takes that to a whole nother extreme. Do you think it's more possible that someone has sex with an alien or has sex with a ghost? Uh, A ghost. Yeah. What do you think would be better? (laughs) What a question. What kind of question? What a question. What a question. Did you expect that? Was that? Was that? Would would you rather have sex with an alien or a ghost is basically what you just asked. I I I did. I I absolutely didn't. I mean, a ghost. Question to the listeners. Are you banging a ghost or are you banging an alien? I mean, with the ghost, there's like no feeling to it, though. See, see, we have different values because I have a whole new way to look at it. <laughs> a ghost? I'm not getting a ghost pregnant. I don't want to have an alien child. If I, mean, I if I had to, pick, I don't think you're having an alien child, though. I mean, maybe. I don't think the parts connect. I mean, if you can have sex with it, it could, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. A, a tiger and a lion can have sex and have a liger. <laughs> Who's to say if you're the first guy that... Well, obviously, according to this guy, you'd have to be at least the second guy to be banging an alien. Here's the other part I want to know. Why is he only banging the alien, like, four times? Like, that's a very arbitrary number I mean I, I would assume it would. he didn't really have a choice it just you know at that point he just kind of uh, kind of does it whenever he gets a chance maybe they're quarterly maybe they only need quarterly a quarterly inspection I mean yeah I don't know a quarterly probe you know I don't I don't know is it well even a better question is he the one banging the alien or is the alien banging him that's even a better question. And uh, if the guy's crazy enough, I, I would be down to listen just to just to hear the craziness, right? Um, I mean, any like, we any both man, are experienced. Can't like, bang a ghost. Can't bang an alien. I mean, you pretty much if if you have any manhood at all, you got to be the one. Doing the penetrating. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, I, you know, you you talked about the alien having parts that wouldn't work for pregnancy. Maybe the alien's got some whole new vibe that you don't even know about yet. <laughs> you know, who you know, what I'm saying with an alien, kind of anything's possible. You know, with the ghost, we assume that a ghost would have the same parts as the. The parts that it died with, you know. So, you know, that- if if Bo is listening, he's gonna kill us for you know taking in these conspiracy theories. But I mean, we're not. We're just considering them. We're not claiming them as fact. Right. This guy's over here talking. Them. But here's here's the one thing I would say if if we're gonna dig deeper of the one possibility, uh, the rabbit hole. Um, potentially willing to go down here no pun intended um (laughs) is if like the alien looked like a human 
like was disguised as a human of some sorts, like then I think we might be cooking with some bacon grease. Here. You're, you're telling me even for any amount of money, you wouldn't bang a green alien creature? Uh, I think I'm going to pass. Let's say someone said Jones. I am not a prostitute, Tom. I mean, we've also said on the show that we can be bought. (laughs) Uh, You know, for other things other than sex, obviously. But, you know, to be honest, in the history of this show, I do think one time that we had a competition or a, uh, a voter's poll or some sort of initiative that you ended up being uh, we ended up rooting for the Astros one season when they were dog shit. This is way before Jose Altuve. This is before they were cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And and so we I think were by proxy and by voter choice uh Houston Astro fans. Yeah. If, if, uh, if the listeners voted said hey Jones we will uh, maybe increase your Spotify where you can make, you know, I don't know, 60k off of uh, listeners. Um, would you would you bang a green alien? Is it just one time, or do I have to do it like? No, it's just three. it's just one time, but it's it's well documented. I might have to consider, you know. I mean, for 60k. Yep, there you go. Um, as we uh, random, yeah, Tex- Texas. As we we're talking about this, Texas is beating Gonzaga by 19 points, and they Texas, did storm the court. They get some aliens, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you know they say keep Austin weird. Um, maybe the uh, maybe the first place the aliens go to uh, have a uh, an earthly sexual encounter that's documented is. Austin, Texas. Why not? Getting moody you in know. the movie center. Yeah. Get, yeah, getting real moody. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Note, we got to go. Uh, big thanks to uh, our buddy Joe Scanlon for joining us. Coach Bo, you the listener as well for stopping by. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, at Tyler Jones Live, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Jones underscore report, uh, Studio Soapbox on Facebook and Twitter as well. And uh, we'll see you back here next week. Looking forward to that. For Thomas Bridges, our entire crew, I'm Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Report. We'll see you next week.